Hello, welcome to Waiting for Game, a podcast presented by Melee Stats. And uh, yeah, I mean, hey, we're coming off of one of the biggest, some say the biggest tournament of all time. If you believe numbers, some say the biggest tournament of all time. We're coming off LACS Force. So we're going to have quite an episode. Before I get to that and before I get to our lovely guests, I do want to have a quick announcement for, uh, you know, past couple weeks, past couple months, I, I have been having a slight change in the intro. I'm not sure if anyone noticed. We used to be Waiting for Game, a weekly podcast presented by Melee Stats. Um, there has been a slight change in that, if you guys noticed. It's uh, now Waiting for Game, a podcast presented by Melee Stats. And uh, I want to make, you know, the small announcement that starting next week, or two weeks from now, we will be going bi-weekly with our episodes. We're going to be making episodes every two weeks as opposed to every week. This is something that we talked about for a couple months as Melee Stats, you know, like the the trio uh, has talked about our output. Um, I think that without going too much into it, the the work that we did on the Nintendo video, we had a, a pretty big breakthrough in terms of you know creative collaborative meetings. And I legitimately think that going bi-weekly is going to give the best Melee Stats products we can give you think it's going to give up more videos better videos and i think it's going to give us time to focus on each episode of waiting for game as its own little pro- uh, project instead of you know some stuff uh, you know can be hard to put together in a week span and i think that given two weeks for each episode i think that every episode of waiting for game will uh have fun little things we've already debuted some some visual aspects of it for people who watch the vods or watch twitch uh and i i want to continue that so I know it's a little sad that you won't be able to hear from your friends every single week, but I think that going forward, uh, bi-weekly episodes will allow us to make the best products possible. And also, if it's a big event, I mean, I want to do an episode before Genesis and I want to do an episode after Genesis. I don't care. You know, fuck the two-week rule. If it's a really big event, we will find a way to talk about it. Um, but yeah, there might be a f- you know, few weeks where... We're just going to be off, and uh, I hope that you understand that this is the best for Melee Stats. And that being said, I want to talk about this week's episode, because if we're talking about the best that Melee Stats has to offer, I think we got a pretty decent episode this week. We've got one of the best co-hosts that Melee Stats has to offer. Uh, I wouldn't say the best, unfortunately, (laughs) but one of the the top uh, two uh, (laughs) co-hosts in addition to me. Um, We have Edwin Budding. Edwin, what's going on? I'm rolling. I'm doing well. We, I had a great weekend. I got to watch so much Melee. I got to make so much money off Melee. I got to farm engagements. And I got to be part of something really special in the Genesis uh, build-up to LACS4. Uh, honestly, one of the coolest things I've been part of since, uh, since the five days of Melee. Just a really awesome event. I Obviously... Uh, I want I want to hear Zane's thoughts on it because he was one of the lead people behind it. We I know you have so much to say as one of the as one of the other leads behind it. I mean, hey, all all three of us were were uh, were pretty involved in, in different uh, different elements of the event. I'm actually more curious to hear about uh, what you two thought of it, and I think this uh, this leads pretty well to introducing Zane. Zane, uh, you know, you've been a commentator in the scene for a while, a content creator. I think people people know you pretty pretty well already if you if they don't uh why don't you give yourself like a quick intro and then uh and then one once you're done with that i want to hear your thoughts on on genesis and sort of like your role in it and the build up and whatnot 
Sure. I just love that Edwin started out by saying, I'm rolling. And I was like, damn, Edwin popped a molly. That's crazy. Um, I don't even know what I'm rolling mean. I, I was thinking yeah, like high not... rolling, like being in a being in a casino, and I yep. couldn't finish it. No, so I just tracked. swapped it. Honestly, this is the, the biggest reason why we decided to go bi-weekly. Uh, is that Edwin <laughs> Edwin's wanted to be... crippling molly addiction. <laughs> yeah, he's just Playing like, I have to be high apparently. to entertain. <laughs> And he also is not being consistent. He's like trying all these different drugs, and we're getting to a point where like, there's not very many more drugs for him to try before right. waiting for game episodes. So if not we, we kind of slow it down, maybe they'll start making drugs at a higher rate anyway, and then like we'll ca- catch up. I don't really know. Let uh, it be known that despite my um, my very uh, my various attempts at betting on melee uh, with varying amounts of success. I do want to say that it's very it's quite funny that this is like my thing now because if you talk to me in person or know me, I'm like the most very I'm like the most risk averse like plain person. I don't I don't like do any of this crazy partying stuff. I'm not at all like that. (laughs) You would think that someone who bets a lot on melee would be into that stuff. No, like I go to bed. Yeah, by 10 yeah, no, you're 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 so right that I think if you took an average person in the population, you went. So I have this friend, and what he likes to do for fun is he bets on a party game from 20 years ago. You think he's he's rolling a lot out on the clubs at the weekend? <laughs> they would be like, yeah, totally. I think you have a bit of a skewed perspective here <laughs> between betting on melee and that yeah, correlated to being yeah. <laughs> risk oh, fair enough. <laughs> you, you do this like once every few months. <laughs> this is not like what people know you for. It's not. Well, this is like starting to be my thing now. I've been, I've been it's doing your it for thing the last because month. you made it your thing. You just tweet yeah. out about it. You make a weekly You would column. think that someone. But I think that's you more your that, thing than gambling. You think that someone willing to go out there and spend so much money on melee, but potentially losing all of it, would maybe be be of a risky man. <laughs> but I'm how not much, very risky. How much I'm money did you say, make? How much money did you make? Uh, like three hundred dollars. Woof! Oh my God! Someone, someone, keep an eye on wow. Edwin before well, he not only is that runs out his bank account, but the the. <laughs> I should have had more, plus. honestly. Possibly. What are we? Do we know what's what we're at with Genesis after the Ludwig donations? We must be nearing thirty k, something uh, around that. Yeah. So three hundred dollars. That's great. But I think you're kind of burying the lead. You know, this is uh, we're yes, coming off of, of Genesis. Yeah. Which that's more the thing of the weekend as opposed to your betting. <laughs> your your yeah. betting, as notable as it is for you, I think the more uh, notable thing community wide was the confluence of genesis and lacs4 so zane yeah i don't know if i want to uh, if you oh yeah i was supposed to introduce to myself spot I, yeah I, before I, you made fun no, of me for gambling no yeah. this, is, this is this is no this know, is not my fault the, this is not my fault this is zane's fault edwin doesn't know how to introduce people you don't put the onus on oh. them zane i, I always put the onus say on this them. you are you are the the commentator of commentators you are the person who puts together uh most of these commentary things uh and if you don't want that to be known then i'm lying no that's uh, fine let it be known that he's just restating I what just i know, was trying to i don't know i don't know about most of i do i put together the schedule for uh for genesis i put together the schedule for five days of melee which was also a lot of talent wrangling not just uh not just commentator wrangling and then uh i do the commentary for genesis every year the schedule for that i do interviews and i make videos and i'm uh one of the lead writers for the pg stats youtube channel and yeah, I don't know. I think people who knows me know me. People who know me know me. And if people don't know you, they've probably been involved with something that you've uh, had a hand in, right? They've 
watch Dennis's commentary. They, you know, in some way they've been affected by something that you've made. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you were involved obviously in Genesis this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were both. Were we, did we both have the lead title? I was a lead. Yeah. Were you a lead? Yeah. Okay. I was so we have two lead. leads here. Yeah. <laughs> I was not a lead at all. <laughs> uh, I think. What was your official title? I, no, I was the as the millionaire director. I was not a. You lead. got director. Yeah, him and you and Radar were the two millionaire directors, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, this is the thing. We need new titles. Director seems like. It should be lower on the list. People should know that director is way under lead. No, that's it, a really it definitely good point. is. That's a really it good point. Is. It does sound higher. Yeah, and that's not right. uh, does not reflect reality. <laughs> okay, well, let me. Okay, let me just uh, say one thing about this. Um, I feel really. I don't even know if I should bring it up. Yeah, I'm gonna bring it up. Okay, so <laughs> this was actually a a topic of a a little bit of conflict heading into millionaire. <laughs> I um. I was very worried that uh, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, Melee stats got credited and everything for playtesting. So I, I DM'd Radar before, before working with him. And I said, hey, you know, by any chance, can you tell me what being a content lead entails of? Because, you know, like I want to make sure I just want to make sure like my, my team gets credit. And Radar was like, oh, yeah, like being a content team, you know, it's like working with the rest of, you know, Genesis, like managing people bringing them together and everything and i was like oh okay no that that's good to know and he was like why were you thinking of becoming content lead and i was like yeah i just want to make sure that like everyone gets credit like I, i'll feel re- i'll feel really bad if like someone thinks like you're my boss or something or that like you, you guys got more than credit you got a link to your patreon <laughs> yeah. in the credits <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's the only Patreon link to be in the credits. Yeah, I felt really bad after asking because I was like, oh, God, this is, like, so stupid. I'm literally, like, bickering with him over a title. Yeah, the the, the three people who made money at the end of this, uh, you know, the, the people who placed in top 16 or whatever of LACF, well, uh, I think 16. Was it six, got, no, right? it was 16. That's right. I remember commentating at a match that paid out. So, yeah, it was 16. So right? the people who got uh, top 16 at the biggest tournament of all time, uh genesis you know the, the genesis tos and then of course the third big one melee stats <laughs> those are the three groups that uh came out in the black this past weekend man well actually a lot of the players too because a lot of those were, were weren't some of those money matches am i inventing this that's the fight club sorry i've been commentating too much recently anyways uh ev- everyone was very kind to do this without having any sort of monetary reward of course you know putting together yeah. A high level match like that uh, could very well get subs, and I did end up subbing to Mango, Leffen, and Zane all individually, usually to try to tell them something. Yeah, uh, <laughs> fair enough. But Zane, let me uh, let me hear your thoughts about Genesis. Last weekend we had, or last week rather, uh, we had Patty on, and when we talked with him, but I, I didn't actually, you know, we didn't really get a chance to talk to you about this. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, insane. Uh, it was not as insane as Five Dom. I'll, I'll say that Five Dom was on another level because Five Dom was a twenty-four hour stream, and so coordinating talent. But just to say what I what I really did, I, I like scheduled other people come up with the event schedule, but then I schedule the talent for every block. So that's a lot of the time reaching out to um, commentators or the people who are playing in the show matches and telling them, hey, this is what we want you to do now. I did rest, l- less of like the reaching out to people stuff. We did a lot of that, but on 5Dom, that was what I did too. I like reached out to most of the players for show matches and stuff. Um, 
And because it was so last minute and because it was multiple time zones and because it was during the week also, yeah. a lot of talent was like dropping last minute or couldn't do certain times. And so, uh, yeah, I was just like DMing people frantically for the entire week. Uh, oftentimes finding a commentator like 15 minutes before a block or something like that or jumping on myself because Blur had to go commentate Brandon's stream or something but I thought it went really well it was like really really smooth I'll be honest um and I think a lot of the team had a better idea on how to execute including JD who's behind the scenes producing right now for this but like a lot of the production team had a really good idea of like this is how we do handoff for pre-recorded sets and then do commentary and then use OBS Ninja etc mm -hmm. and so the actual production was so 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 smooth we try not to mention JD on this show because if he gets name recognition, then he'll have uh, like he'll be able to strong arm us into getting a, uh, a raise. So we're trying to mm. not make him part of the show. Mm. Well, uh, fact, I have I have no uh, inclination to abide by that. So I, I will not stats, follow that mandate. Yeah, melee stats, Edwin Budding specifically, of course, uh, anti worker, anti union. Yep. Uh, not work, well known. Melee stats is a pro worker party. Party. Uh, sure. <laughs> There's political asp aspirations to this now. Well, we have we have talked about the end goal of well, one of the end goals of melee stats, you know, is to you know become big video essays, uh, essay YouTube channel. But my main goal, my end goal for melee stats is like eliminate cars in a major city cars just like somehow use this as a springboard uh so we'll see how that goes so they're political aspirations you know 20 years from now catch us uh running uh i don't know maybe you you're maybe we'll run you as our candidate all of us are too neurotic to to work me oh god no zane's uh, too neurotic also he, he, he wouldn't he wouldn't do I, it i question your evaluation of people's psyches and mental states anok based on the conversation we had before starting recording too I, well why don't we jump into something a little more uh why don't we jump into something that was genuinely impressive and a skill that i think Genesis. will transfer that wasn't impressive. over anything i think the fact that wheat managed to convince prisant to come <laughs> out of his like little little mountain or, or wherever he is to play an exhibition against pipsqueak that to add, there are so many good exhibitions to talk about over the weekend i, I think we can like we could we could talk about like each can, one for can, 20 can minutes we spill, can we spill behind the scenes info on this sort of stuff now that the event is over <laughs> uh yeah to an extent why wow, what's uh there's some and, funny things person and pip played another set before that but it was yeah. fucking awful and person got lit up and so they were like can oh, we okay. please play again uh and then thank god they did because it was a really cool set after that uh, that set was really fun i believe the yeah. first set percent had just woken up yeah. uh i think it was Neither. probably the middle of the day but uh hey we're we, we all work on our own schedules if you're not you know like no need to conform to nine to five uh but <laughs> well dude sometimes... like at the very least the the set that they ended up playing for the stream person went up three one yeah. how's he so good He's so insane. He's so insane. He's, I think he's like probably fringe top five in Europe still, which is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. He's incredible. He's top five in Europe with like five characters. He's so nasty. I love, uh, Prison's like one of my favorite players. This is like a common thing on the, for any anyone who's 
ever turned tuned into like a melee stats episode on waiting for game if, if they were like a bingo board uh talking about percent in an iron man or any of his characters would would definitely yeah. take a spot <laughs> there's definitely yeah the, the the waiting for game bingo boards we should release those by the time of our next episode because there's definitely a lot to go off of but um yeah i mean i want to just talk about uh, i appreciate the shout out edwin you know about the putting together these show matches but i think it was mainly luck uh that all of these people were willing to do all of this in a pretty short time window. Some of these sets were done within like 12 hours of me reaching out to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were definitely things that were had like more time to to happen. But um, yeah, the, the ability for these players to kind of drop what they're doing and just put it on the line, just randomly do a first to five with someone who they might not even know. Um, I think that's amazing. I really commend everyone for coming out to do this. I'm very happy that I got to sneak in some really weird sets. Uh, I was so pleased with those <laughs> because every single one of the weird sets was a highlight for me. Like they, those ha- yeah, are the okay. gamble for not working out, but I, I am really, ha- I was really happy with the commentators I picked for the weird sets, and I think yeah. that they all worked out really, really, really well. They were, so yeah, they were fantastic. Uh, one of the. One of the, if, if I can just like give a brief shout out here, I think one of the one of the funniest moments on of a commentary for one of the weird sets over the weekend was uh, when Mikey the cheat was watching his own set with uh, with Chroma and Jack, <laughs> oh and Jack God. asks him like down three zero in the set or two zero in the set or something. He goes, "So uh, the cheat, I or Mikey, I noticed that you're down a three zero in the set." Mikey was like, "Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm trying to build up hype for the audience," and he go and Jack's like, "Yeah, I, I I'm." I'm paraphrasing, but Jack's like, yeah, I can see that. But, uh, you know, since you're down 3-0, I want to ask you, like, in this moment, was it, did you, were you worried that the audience might forget that you're the protagonist? Well, and then, and then, and then in game four, because, so Jack and Mikey had actually planned out that bit beforehand, because it's okay. a bit they've been meaning to run for a pretty long time, is what it's they a good told one. me, of, like, this is the director's cut of the set, and we're explaining why we scripted it this way. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think jack anticipated that mikey was gonna get five owed and so and so in the middle of game four jack just goes so mikey i now have a question for you and you expect him to to play into this thing yeah like, mm-hmm. why did you make the decision but he just went so mikey um you're doing a lot of stuff where you you wave dash forward and you f tilt his shield and then you get down smash and my question is why <laughs> And that was really funny. My highlight of the weekend was actually before there was any melee being played. It was the preamble to Blur versus Slime in which Jack revealed his analysis of the moon phases during which Blur plays and how they affect his gameplay. Yeah, that was pretty good. I had Um, my hands in my head. I was was dying at that bit. That That was was incredible. That was amazing content. Yeah. Again, I Jack. I don't think bet correctly this weekend. I think he thought Mikey was gonna win, and I think he thought I. Uh, no offense meant to slime. I was so surprised how many people thought slime was going to win that match. I was you think really, really. Zane, surprised. I was, I was so disappointed. I, I thought slime. Would yeah, you said five two, right? Yeah, that I thought was... like no chance. I thought, I thought you know, this is my rationale, right? And this shows like how I thought first to five, like. I thought you, Slime plays Falcon, Blur plays Marth. I thought like if it's Blur against a Spacey, I think it's a little scary. Like I, but like it was Falcon. I thought you know maybe maybe first to five like Slime listen, downloads in. Listen, Blur as someone as someone who has also lost an exhibition match to Blur, cross country <laughs> ping, 
before that before we knew about three buffer or four mm-hmm. buffer totally fraudulent but did lose sure whatever um and also played slime at main stage there was zero doubt in my mind that blur was going to win this match i feel like they've run similar stuff to this before that worked out better in slime's favor they have yeah like the, the context, first 20 the context thing. matters a lot i think <laughs> context matters a lot blur yeah. i i will say blur he, he impressed me he he had a few good yeah. combos like he he when he got an opening like he, he blur's he punish game his... is not bad and yeah. blur blur swings a lot which is good at in mid-level marth versus falcon i think so i i was pretty confident in, so in like him. one thing i will say that i noticed that jack uh god we, we've been giving jack a lot of praise but he had a great he had a great week he, he, he so kept good. pointing out how uh he kept pointing out how blur. One thing he noticed in footage of a blur versus Falcon was that he would never get hit by Raptor boost. Yeah, and he like baited so out many, every yeah. single Raptor boost out of the corner yeah. from Slime. It was so ridiculous. Yeah, I I, I lost like fifty bucks on that. That's pretty. I, I was okay. We know certain. that you 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 mm-hmm. actually ended up uh, winning money. So this is your thing now. You're a, you're <laughs> a gambling man. We get it. One thing. Uh, I I just just to kind of touch up on the on the weirder sets also. I um I was not expecting the uh the six one score in the first to five was, was that was in- so fucking incredibly funny. Okay. funny. I oh I God. lost my mind during that because um I, you know I was my sleep schedule got so fucked up by this event mm-hmm. and so I was trying to fall asleep Tuesday night but I like knew I couldn't or whatever and so you know a, a lot of these matches were pre recorded for production's sake and so I was looking through the schedule and I saw there were Google Drive links. And I had seen that Wheat had said Leo versus, or was Fargo was a slobber knocker. So I watched a little bit of that, but then I was like, no, I don't want to get spoiled. So I watched Mikey versus Chillin <laughs> and I skipped through a little bit and I didn't watch it all the way through. I started watching and then I was like, this is not going well. And I skimmed through and I saw the Fox and I was like, oh, this is really not going well. Oh, and then I no. saw him get 5-0'd and I was like, wow, that was brutal. And then I closed the window. And so when I watched live on stream and I saw the text pop up saying this, t- this went a lot faster than we thought, so they just kept playing. It was like the biggest surprise in the entire That's world. So funny! I had oh no idea God. that was going to happen. Um, the the question I have um, is a six one better than a five zero? No, I, I, of course not. Yes, yes. he won a game though. He won a game. I, I had to add extra games in the set. No. So but a 5 0 means he won none of the games. Yeah. Like a 5 0, <laughs> you don't know if he's if they play 10 more games if he's going to win one. Dude, and at Dude, least this when, point, you know that it took when they got two to the, more games. When they finished the sixth game, I dead ass thought, like, I was like, oh my God, they're going to go like. Well, you saw, you saw the bet that we ran. The, the, the amount of people, it was 200 something votes and four people thought that Chillin would only take six games. Everyone thought it was going to be eight or nine. Like, it was... Dude, it was brutal. The people were not on my side. It was getting so bad. I, I, I had someone, a... Yeah, sorry, go on. I saw someone in chat. They were like, 12-0, Mikey just gives up. <laughs> it's just... They didn't even say... The, so the idea funny. was, like, yeah. how long until he wins one? They're just like, he yeah. won't. He'll give up. Yeah. Which is crazy. I mean, yeah. Uh... The Mikey, the Mikey, the Mikey, the Mikey, Chillin' Samus was moving, dude. He actually looks pretty good. There was a a big factor at play where in the last two games, he had a million different charge shot conversions, like guaranteed charge shot conversions. Mm -hmm. Fox is hard knocked down. Whatever way he rolls, the charge shot is going to hit him. And Chillin' just never fucking hit the B button. 
And I was like, you could be actually clip factorying right here, like print it and ship it, send it to China, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, you know what? We, I don't want to say anyone's a loser here, right? Like we're all, this is all for charity. This is all in good fun. We're all friends. Uh, I think the person who came out on the bottom here was not Mikey, but rather no. Hugo. Hugo Gonzalez. Hugo Dude, Gonzalez just, is the absolute Chillin' Samus loser. is better than Hugs right now. I'm sorry. A hundred percent. But also, yeah. did you did you watch the diss track? Mikey has struck struck gold. The yeah, oil fields good. are flowing. No, it's not just pretty good. It is revolutionized diss tracks. He purely talked about how bad he is the entire time to diss Hugo. Oh. It was the eight mile, right? Yeah, the, the yeah, D rabbit or whatever. <laughs> no, it was it was very very good. It's uh, it's tough in this day and age after what six seven years. Um, oh, after the summit's a pretty high high bar though. Like I don't know if I'd say re- I think it's good. I I have to think about it. I, I think know. that well, it's purely because it's such like an undercooked beef, but like in terms <laughs> of actual quality, that's top two or top three all time diss tracks. No, no contest. I, top I three. That, that's a well, high bar, Zane. It's not else? a good diss track. It's that respect your elders and uh, the army one. Those are the top. Yeah, three. climbing up to the sun. You don't. That's you're a not one. a night nice shot Hugo say fan. Good or something. No, nice shot Hugo's. Nice shot Hugo is fine, but like I'm. I don't. I I can never rank the the. I don't know. Nightshot Hugo's. Fine. There's a Neo ones also, not the, the Ghost Rider Neo ones. The the and like the the Riverside. I think like Riverside oh, rap Neo, or something. Does Neo have diss tracks? He just had raps. Yeah, just raps. Like that's different. Okay. Meta Knight the best is is an all timer, but yeah, it's not a for, diss track. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. IB is like I think I made song. a list of this a while ago. Yeah, actually. dude, I love that IB is getting radio play in Toronto <laughs> That's now. Amazing. What the fuck? That's we we got to convince him to collaborate with uh with one of these people. What was what, going. what was the tweet that he had recently? He had a really funny melee music tweet. I I don't remember what it is. I I couldn't probably couldn't find his Twitter anymore <laughs> now because it's not IB either. I don't know. Yeah, the man uh man completely changes branding out of smash i gotta respect it at a certain point um but yeah let's dude these sets that we're talking about we, we already mentioned the pippet pippet the uh prisant pipsqueak that was mm-hmm. great we mentioned mikey versus chillin samus what if what what was your favorite set of the entire weekend of the show matches like if you had to just nail down one set uh, i think i'm gonna pick the the favorite one i'm i might say spargo leo that one was super fun to watch uh part of it was very fun for me because i didn't think they were going to do it uh and then also i believe i might have said this last episode leo downloaded slippy about three hours before he had to play um just insane right like i i I reached out to a couple other people to try to get like a double header for ultimate um which I, i think still could happen in the future uh but yeah. a lot of people were just like yeah i don't have slippy uh but leo said yeah and then was like by the way yeah i don't have slippy but I, i'll still do it it's um, crazy to me that, that he's that good without having slippy i that recontextualized everything for me because yeah. i thought that he played occasionally back when there was that little boom of alt kids playing yeah. slippy um yeah that 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 set that set was awesome and like so fun to watch. I'm actually really happy Zoo ended up on commentary for that. It was originally supposed to be Void and Coney, which I think still would have gone well because Void is probably the alt player who's the best at melee, I would say. Um he's he's quite good. ECM did come back. 
uh, that okay, yeah, you know, yeah, of all no, players who yeah. Void mm-hmm. is very good. Yeah. Also, Isam looks not as good anymore. He's he'd obviously with a little bit of practice be the best, but that's um, the next one. Maybe it's Isam versus Void. Yeah, it, with practice, Isam would wash him. He's also really good at that matchup. But uh, but uh, I'm really happy Zoo is on because it was such a weird set to watch from a melee perspective because the mm-hmm. first thing that happens in the set. Um, is that they go to FD twice, but with it being both of their counter picks. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Leo counter picks Spargo to FD as the Sheik and beats him. And then Spargo, who I think has way more knowledge of Melee's metagame and scene from talking to Mewtwo King and getting coached by him, takes Leo back to FD. And he literally, like, never beat Leo on FD. They played, I think, three or four games there, and and the Sheik won every single one. Edwin, what is your perspective as a Marth main on what we saw? Well, it's funny that you guys bring up one Marth chief set of uh, being the stand or being your favorite. My favorite uh. set was actually watching Leffen just put the beat down on Zane. Yeah. Yeah. That was genuinely one of the most astonishing things I've ever seen. I like so I know this is gonna sound weird because I'm a Marth player talking about this matchup, and this is a matchup that I've always struggled in and always like thought negatively. I gotta say, the way that Zane typically plays this matchup, like he he doesn't like even when he's not playing amazing or whatever, it's not easy to like get stuff, get openings on him and convert on him for free. Like he makes it really hard. Like the difference between Zane and a ton of other Marth players, and like this is sort of true for other top Marth players, but I think it's especially true with Zane. It's like it's not like if you get a grab a Sheik, you just like auto kill Marth or like without thinking, right? Like you have to hold advantage. You can't like let him slip away like to the corner or to ledge or like or to get like center stage or like reversal you or whatever. You have to be like really disciplined. So like yeah, like you can get like thirty percent or something in like favorable position, but like the way Zane plays is like very hard to could. Like, you're constantly in spaces, like, where he can technically hit you or, like, get away from you, right? So, like, for Leffen to, like, convert those situations into, like, another edge guard or just to, like, maintain advantage, he has to, like, outplay Zane, right? Like, he has to do it multiple times a stock. And he just, like, it just kept, like, happening. He just kept, it was, like, a true... Yeah, I know the final score was 5-1, but I almost forgot that Zane lost the or won the first game because it was so convincing. I've like, you know, I've I've seen Leffen play amazing with Fox before, and like we've talked so many times on on this show, on other melee stat shows about like how when Leffen plays Fox and he's playing like at a nine out of ten or ten out of ten, it's like everything fits together like clockwork, right? It's like, oh, like, of course he'd do this. Like, all right, yeah, like that makes sense. Like, oh my god, he's so good. But this was like this is like watching, this is like watching a chic version of his fox, but instead of being like really explosive, it's just like clean play. I was so impressed when he when he just put the beat down on Zane. I thought like this guy is not losing this tournament. I thought this is the <laughs> best player in the world. I was I, really excited. Yeah, I really, I really do think Leffen at his best looks like the best player in the world. There's something about the way that he. You know, he he's always I think that I don't want to overstate this point because it's not a new point. People characterize European foxes as flowcharty a lot. I think in ex- to excess. 
Pipsqueak is a flowchart based player. There's like no one in the world other than Wizardrobe, I think, plays as much with a flowchart as Pipsqueak does. Um, but Leffen has flowcharts that like are so nuanced and don't just rely on reaction and hitting a punish. Um, you see it, I think, really clearly when he's edge guarding spaces. And what I mean by nuance is that he adds in fakeouts and mental games and mix-ups as part of the flowchart and then mm-hmm. goes for the like get the thing after that. Like when he's edge guarding spaces, one of Leffen's real, real big habits is that he'll go for a full hop back air um, and condition you to go low by doing that or to go to ledge. And then he just wave dash back, grabs ledge or does a back air off of that. Um, and if you go high immediately, obviously the back air covers it too. But he loves doing a back air that like will cover an option that they're not doing. And because it's just empty movement, honestly, if they up B, he just uses it to like add something to your mental stack, you know, to to think about. Um, and that, that was a lot of why I think he was able to do that with Sheik. Because I agree, the punish game is really hard. It reminded me of mm-hmm. um, of face roll's punish game on Sheik, like face roll versus pew pew and stuff, especially on the FD games where face roll, it's not like a guaranteed combo, but it's a lot of mini dash back, mm-hmm. wave dash back, and yeah. then come in and punish the landing fair or something like that. I think a ton of like, uh, just like from my experience playing the matchup, I think a ton of it exists in like these two different, like there's obviously different positions and like different zones. So I'm speaking pretty broadly, but like, I think especially in Marth Sheik, there's, there's kind of like super restrictive zones where like both characters are like, want to avoid being in another area of like like you have to be really restrictive with like what like what where you choose to go and what options you choose to do and then there's kind of like this other area where they're both kind of in what like in other matchups would be in scramble space but like they don't want to hit each other immediately so you're kind of like both in a, I think a ton of March Sheik exists kind of in like those two zones like especially a lot more than other matchups just just in my opinion but so like when they're both in unreactable space or like in spaces where they're trying to move around each other and get the get the first person to swing or like commit yeah. to a bad position it's really hard like especially with Zane in that matchup to get him in a bad position or get him to like give up something it's like and i know this sounds weird because like Sheik Marth is a matchup that like people consider like slightly in Sheik's favor but like if you if you've seen Zane play like Pew Pew or, or excuse me, not not PPU, like Plup. Plup or any or any other really good Sheik. It's so hard to like get him to do some to give you an opening or to to like get him to show you a tell, right? Do people it, still think that Sheik Marth is in is in Sheik's favor at top level. I don't feel like that's the common wisdom anymore. Maybe maybe not because Zane Zane has been like winning winning it a lot in recent memory. But yeah. with Plup, we we've talked about this with Plup before, right? How like we don't like every time like. Like I guess lately, technically, he's had the edge over Plup, but it never feels like. Yeah, I mean, whenever you talk Plup, you like, there's like an asterisk, right? Um, where it's like, does is he playing well versus Plup? Is he good versus Plup, or is he just getting wins when Plup is you know, not necessarily playing at the height of his? Yeah, game? I can never really tell. It feels weird. Like that's with those such two. an interesting, such an interesting shift for Plup actually, and that I would say Plup's one of like aside from. The like top three, you know, Plup mm-hmm. is one of the few players in the world where you feel like like he doesn't really have roadblocks, right? Like, Wizzy has roadblocks. Yeah, he beat Mango, but it's still not good. It's still Plup, he's also he's a disadvantage. Plup versus Wizzy is like an yeah. insane roadblock yeah, for him, right? <laughs> Axe yeah. has roadblocks. Amsa has roadblocks, right? Like, there are specific players in the world who can, who can stymie all of these people, and for Plup, it's not true. And what? 
what a change because the thing keeping him from becoming the top rank of players for so long was that he could not fucking beat Armada. He just could not do it. And obviously no one could, but like yeah. it looked like a mental block for him because yeah, especially for a long time. Because of how close the skill level obviously was. So it's really mm-hmm. interesting now that outside of the top three, I almost think when we when we released the PGR list today, the PGR cont- oh, sorry. I won't uh, uh, we not all of it, but yes. Yeah, I just remembered we haven't talked about that. I or that hasn't been released yet. I've been editing all of that recently. Mm-hmm. But all I'll say is that to me, it's so clear that Plup is like even a tier above everyone outside the top three purely because there are not unbeatable matchups for mm-hmm. him. He, um, it's interesting to see because he's not someone who we see a lot of. So whatever data we get recently, um, it's hard to parse if it's part of a trend or what we're seeing. Um, but what he's been doing lately has been great. This is some of the best pluff we've seen in years. The pluff yeah, that we saw did. in 2019 was the type of pluff where, give him a situation, you know, he could uh, end up doing really, really well. He could end up being in a great mental space and end up, you know, being a favorite, uh, or not maybe not a favorite, but being one of the favorites to win a tournament. Uh, but then you'd have situations where he would, like, lose to Moki or Lucky, or, like, yeah. there'd be a lot of losses that are not... S-fat. He actually yeah. can oh, beat Esfat now, which yeah. is crazy because yeah, he he couldn't he could not beat Esfat, and now he can beat him. So it's yeah, I mean, like we have not seen him at a huge thing in a little bit. He didn't go to Summit Twelve because he focused on Smash World Tour, which he where he like destroyed Wizzy. Um, so I'd be interested to see where he is with some of these matchups that are pretty hard. Um, he ended up. Well, what beating... was what was him versus Cody at Riptide like? I forget. Uh, I think it was like 3-1-3-2, right? Yeah, it was like it was close enough to say like that's not an unwinnable matchup. It's for not Pop. unwinnable. I think his Hbox one, I want to see more of that because I don't yeah. think that mm-hmm. that set was so close. Like yeah. we t- it's a win and obviously the big story of Riptide is Cody, so we don't talk about the fact that like that set, I think Hbox had a rest that he could have hit or at least a situation that was very close on the end at um Yoshi Story that uh, looked really scary for Plup. So I, I'm not willing to read into that as being like, he'll never lose to Hbox again. Um, I want to see more of that. That's something I'm, I'm interested mm-hmm. in. But yeah, like we talk about Plup chic. I think it's it's very refined. We, we understand that like when Plup's at the top of his game, this is what top chic looks like. Uh, and I think introducing Leffen chic into this is pretty interesting. It's like obviously clearly streamlined for one specific matchup. But it's uh, really good at that match. It's really good. <laughs> it's and... so good. That looked repeatable. That made me think, like, the <laughs> next time that set happens, that made me think that, like, okay, like, not only did Leffen do this once, like, he could do this multiple times, and he might do it more often than not. Well, well we, might, we might be seeing the Mango Sheik soon, too. You guys <laughs> oh, that tweet? God. Yeah. Yeah. What did you? What did everyone vote for? If you guys don't know, Mango did a, a tweet. He did a tweet. Mango tweeted out today or yesterday, I forget which, that he's uh, wants to play another character because he wants to play melee, but like doesn't want to get over invested in practicing really hard. So he asked between Falcon, Marth, and Sheik. I voted I, Marth. I voted Marth. Yeah, I voted Marth. Okay, we didn't, okay, I, we didn't need to ask you. <laughs> wait, wait, sorry. We're, we're going. We're, we were talking about Mango. We're talking about Plup. The way we started talking about these two is because uh is because we were talking about Leffen. I want to ask yeah, you to right. like Leffen just you know 
say what you want about Mango and First to Five or like an exhibition. I guess yeah, it's just not sick. his thing. It was, yeah. it was, yeah, you know. But like, for, forget that for a moment. I think at the very least, we agree that like, if Left and Mango happens in bracket, like, it's probably a toss up, right? Like, it, like if we had to guess, like, I would, I would favor Mango pretty significantly. Actually. Significantly. Like, like to like the tune of like 60, 40, 65, 35. Hmm. See, this kind of reminds me um, what's been going on recently. Obviously, they've had fewer sets uh, mm-hmm. than what I'm going to compare them to. But <laughs> OK, this comparison is actually falling apart the more I think about it, because I'm asking for a very specific time period. <laughs> but 2019 HBox versus Zayn. Uh, obviously, we saw Zayn really figure it out and turn the corner. Yeah, um, I don't think it'll I don't think it's like that. Well, okay. Thanks for shutting me down without me explaining this. But okay, no. Let's let. let why? Why don't we just have the episode continue, here? Continue. Continue. Please keep uh, going. Uh, finish, finish what we saw was almost every set they had was game five. Yeah. And when you looked at it from like a one set perspective, it's like that was winnable for Zane. Uh, that was winnable for Zane. You know. But you you go out and it. You look at them for the year. Hbox was up seven two. And that's something I feel like we've seen over the past years. Like I said, they don't play as much, so it's hard to get a complete trend. And also there's a global pandemic, which meant that they couldn't play for a while. Uh, but every set we've recently seen of Left and Mangoes ended up being pretty damn close. They played and- four, the last four sets they played before the fun, before the first to five were all mm-hmm. game five and Mango and won every Mango single won them one. all. Yeah. It's that type of thing where like uh, at a certain point, like, do you have to start considering something that could go in anyone's favor, but it always goes in one person's favor? Do you have to start considering that more than a 50-50? So I think 60-40 is fair. Um, the biggest thing is that I don't think Leffen, like, what's his worst matchup, right? Because it was before yeah, this was Yeah, that's what Zane. I was leading to. Um, and, if, and if this is something that's able to be repeated in bracket, which I have a doomer take, I think Leffen goes up 2-1. And in game four versus Zane, like the first tournament this set they play, it's like Genesis eight. Um, I think he goes up two one and is up like three stocks high percent. And Zane <laughs> just comes down on the, on the angel platform for his first stock. I think he loses that in a heartbreaker game five. But wow, I, what a call. I, that's my doomer call. God. Um, I, w- regardless, what we saw seems like it's, it's able to be repeated in a bracket, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that just has us saying like, yeah, who... Who's scarier for him? Because it's... Mango. It's absolutely Mango. Mango's well, I think, like, 100%. Well, I think, like, between, like, 60-40 or, like, even. Like, the, the point I'm making is that I don't think, like, like it's not, a, like, he didn't beat Mango in a high enough, like, stakes of a set to make me think that, like, oh, like, well, he's always going to be favored. It's more like, you know, it's it's a volatile matchup, right? Like, it's maybe hot. it's slightly... Mango had things. COVID. The Mango Leffen set is cross-country with COVID. It is meaningless absolutely meaningless right but i'm saying like it's it's enough to where like i don't know like i don't know if i would solidly favor mango the next time they play i think the historical like for like the last what like three or four years like just how their matchups tend to go like is in mango's favor like slightly like i like the the point i'm bringing up is that i think leffen's shown me enough this weekend to make me think that like there's no one in the world who i think like i would be really scared of like for Leffen, like if I had to guess, like maybe Cody, like in I or Kobe, Cody and like Wizzy. I guess. You but, know what I mean? Like it, that doesn't feel very. That's, the that's fact not like that a, all of the players who we mention as hardest players for him 
don't seem unwinnable is great for him, right? This yes, is yes, this is exactly what he needs. Um, mm-hmm. Like the fact that we we have a lot of players, and this even exists at the top level, right? Zane doesn't want to play Axe. Uh, Mango probably doesn't want to play Zane. There's like things that are definitely doable, um, and like the higher you go, the fewer matchups they have that they don't want to see. But when you look at brackets, like uh, to get into you know winner semis or or winners quarters and stuff like that, there's definitely problem matchups that if you are a player who is you know potential to win you don't want to see like you want to see it as late as possible or not at all and the yeah. fact that leffen's matchups like that seem pretty doable right it's probably mango mm-hmm. and the fact that he seems doable against mango uh maybe not favored at this point but i could see that swing back to favored more than i could see like mango being favored over zane in the near future uh which that might be a hot take but that's something i think like that's great for him he has had i think the last two set losses to ibw uh, obviously he lost to Wizzy, but all of these things it's like i watch these sets and i they they don't make me think that this is not doable they make me think in those specific scenarios he just wasn't able to clutch it out and yeah and i agree he's had times where he has clutched stuff out like he has a history of doing well in these scenarios and the recent history saw shows him falling just short and this zane set you know i don't want to take too much for an exhibition set but this was a crt set yeah, this mm-hmm. was as close to real mm-hmm. that you could probably get non-tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. Yeah, and that, it just makes me think, like, he's not suddenly number one in the world. He's not suddenly going to win everything. But the 2022 where we can see him traveling, I I think we can see him win a major. And I, I don't think that's insane to say. Yeah, I, I would solidly – I mean, it's impossible to, like, rate exactly where he's at other than anything yeah. off the eye test. But I, if I were making a rankings right now, based on like genuinely how likely I think, like just you know the way we do rankings, be Mango Zane Cody in some order, and then it'd be Leffen and then Plup, and that's my top five, no mm-hmm. questions asked, hundred percent. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. The inner, the inner, like, like my, the, my heart is like Leffen is the best player in the world. Like no one will well, ever, no one will ever beat him. Rankings would just, and, and like would just be. But, but, he's, I think, I think but you got to consider if you got to consider with time away from competition when Leffen runs into Wizzy or when Leffen runs yeah. into Axe mm-hmm. or or like someone like that, it's just there's more volatility there. Than well, for I think any like of those other top yeah, players. I think like Wizzy, IBW, Moki, I could see those three Moki. like being be Kadorin. Little... What about Leffen versus Kadorin, man? No, no, I think I, I think know, he washes Kadorin. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kadorin. I really like you. Um, no, I I think Leffen, the the way Leffen beat Zane. No, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Kadorin. Maybe maybe Kadorin beats him next time and, and he gets to come on the show and gloat. But it is it is Kadorin's worst matchup also. He's face roll has been his demon for a long time. So I I don't actually think Kadorin would beat anything other than Leffen playing Fox, but Yeah. Regardless, I, I think that Leffen and I feel more confident than I do after Summit twelve, and obviously we didn't get to see him in LACS. Uh well, it was really funny. He did make sure Swooper did not make it winner's side top 64. <laughs> uh, he made him wait like 40 minutes while he was throwing up. And then he just JV Ford him. Like he kind of destroyed him. <laughs> That's uh, really funny. And, and then once, once Swooper was in losers, he's like, all right, I'm out of this tournament. That's but, like, really funny. We didn't get a, to see him far enough in bracket to know what, what's really going on. But the little that we saw makes me feel like in a lot better position than, than we were at Summit 12. Uh, I don't think it's impossible for him to leapfrog cody or you know even zane or mango at this point um 
so yeah, this is a kind of a fun little 2022. We're looking at if everything's able to be run and if stuff is uh, attended by top players because those four we mentioned, plus Plup, throw in Wizzy. I think there's a lot of uh, fucking Hbox too, I guess, Omsa. right? Like the uh, the top level talent that we're seeing, I think is all getting to that point where not only could they win a major, I think there's multiple different t- people who could be number one. And that's the kind of the cool thing about Leffen mm-hmm. entering yeah. into oh, yeah, like sure. this level play that he has been recently. Yeah, there's, I would say, five contenders for number one right now, genuinely. And we haven't seen that in a long time. Um, speaking of contenders for number one, I think it's time we get to Edwin Budding Stock Exchange. Edwin, do you want to? It's been a while. Yeah, do you want to go been. over what your signature? Well, your formerly <sighs> signature thing. Now, of course, your signature thing is gambling. Do you want right, to go right. over uh, what Edwin Budding Stock Exchange is for people who may not? Yeah, know? Edwin, Edwin Stock Exchange is kind of like a mini sports show segment. Essentially, uh, I, I have all these questions that I just ask the uh, contestants on the show. In this case, Wheat the host and zane our guest and essentially i ask after i ask a question each player gets about like 30 se- seconds to give a brief answer more or less i don't really keep track but uh but we'll, we'll get there someday <laughs> so basically and then at the at the end when both of them give their answers a, a point goes to the person with the be- better answer the person yep. with the most points at the end of the stock exchange gets a minute to talk about whatever they want it's kind of like around the horn if you've ever seen that it is yeah, exactly a... like around the horn. <laughs> yeah, <in> fact. <laughs> well, there's no paper toss, but but It'll yeah, be a maybe, tough maybe we have that in. This, uh, the fact that you know Zane's a very clever individual, that's very helpful. Uh, also, you know Edwin personally, and that's a big part of it. It's kind of like I, knowing I what will Edwin not, wants to hear. I will not cater right to this man. Him. I will not cater to him. <laughs> no one ever caters to me. I'm a fair. I'm a fair, impartial. I judge. do. That's why I've. Been you don't cater. You give good answers. <laughs> that's what you think all right all right why don't we start with the first one so this is the segment called buy one sell one so i'm gonna name two things in melee and you have to buy one meaning that you believe in it and you have to sell one meaning that in the context of having to buy one or sell one you're gonna you're not gonna buy this one right so here's the first one zane you're the ghost guest so i want you to go first buy one sell one dawson and lunar dusk Ooh, um, buy Lunar Dusk, sell Dawson. Purely, I mean, I've been seeing Lunar Dusk show up a lot more in netplay brackets recently, but also I just think that we're in an Icy's renaissance, a, a mini renaissance, a mini-sance, if you can say so. And Lunar Dusk is a player who's always been known for being able to innovate and play without wobbling and get uh, a lot of stray F smashes. He's actually, like, he has handoffs, but he's more of a reads-based player in my mind. Uh, and I think that with the... The fall of Ices. There's up. actually time for them to come back <laughs> up because no one remembers how to play against them and how to play against banana f smashing anymore. He's just going to bananas f smash right. everyone. Wait, tell me, Dawson or Lunar Dusk? Buy one. I one. completely agree with uh, Ipengu over here. I think that Lunar Dusk is the correct call here. Um, it's for a lot of the same reasons that Zane, Zane said. Lunar is playing a uh, pretty smart Ices, and in this age, we kind of forget how to play against Ices. He's had success non wobbling. He beat Kage without wobbling. And not only that, he has since added Puff to his repertoire. So these really bad matchups, like no fluxes, who he reversed 3 0 with Puff, um, it, it just adds another layer to to like his level of success. Um, I think Dawson's really good, but unfortunately, I think Lunar Dusk is just the correct pick here. All right. Production, give the point to Wheat. 
Yeah. I don't fucking know their <laughs> resumes. This is the second, this is the second one. Oh, Buy God. one, sell one. Wheat, Swift, yes. and Axe. Uh, I am going to, uh, I'm going to buy Axe here. This is something that I don't think I would have done a while ago. Uh, you know, we, we kind of, we cut our teeth on this whole popularity thing by making fun of Axe for being afraid of going to locals. But I think in the past few months, I've been one who, I, I don't tend to underrate him. I think I'll put him high on a ranking. I'll put him high on a seating. Um, currently we've seen that his results are not incredible, but did you see how he was looking versus Chew? Did you see how he looked versus Fluid? He he has um, turned a corner on some of these matchups that we thought were unwinnable. And I'm not saying he's about to win a major again, but I think the the idea of him losing early in, in winners and then dropping down and getting 65th, I think that's probably something that's gone. We saw him lose to Secrets, All right. and he I'm ended gonna... up getting top eight. All right. Zane, buy one, sell one. Swift and Axe. Buy Axe for all of the reasons that Wheat said, but more importantly, because Axe's biggest uh, biggest enemy is seasonal affective depression and not being able to see people. And with Omicron rates in New York going down below 5%, that's a good sign for the rest of the country. I genuinely believe that Axe is one of the people most affected by online play because he gets so in his own head. He's, he's such a happy-go-lucky person that it's all just white walls inside of there. And so it just bounces around. It brings him down. And when he has the opportunity to be around more people and smile and eat pizza, he's going to do so, so, so much better. Also, he doesn't care about being cool. His style of Pikachu is seen as lame in comparison to Swift, and that's good for him because he can just do the things that we now realize are just Pikachu eating the cheese like the rat he is, and it's going to work out well for him. Zane, what a beautiful answer. You deserve the point for that. I think it's that just going to be whoever speaks buy last. buy one, yeah. sell one segment. Now we're going to move into the second segment. Are you buying the dip? So in this segment, I mention a stock that's currently, you know, in a bit of a decline. And you're going to tell me if you're going to buy this stock with the expectation that it's going to perform better in the future, or you're not going to buy the stock. So Zane, tell me, are you buying the dip on Kadoran? Uh, no, I'm not buying the dip on Kadoran because I've seen that man reply to a Smashboards thread that's 13 years old too many times to think that this is going to be a big setback for him. PPMD is the player with maybe the biggest dip to come back in all of Melee history, and that is who Kadoran models himself after. Wait, and sorry. I, 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 I just want to clarify. Buying the dip meaning that like you you think it's going to rebound. So oh, then sorry. Yes, I am buying the dip. Okay. I am buying the dip. I think Kadoran will rebound because this man has F-smashed his way into S.H.I.E.L.D. so many times at Irvine Locals that we know that it's not going to upset him to take losses like this. Also, I saw in the Discord after he got fucked up by S-Fat in the crew battle, he was sad. He wasn't that sad. He's just going to do it better next time. Uh, I think that he genuinely has an amazing competitive mindset, and he's inspired by PPMD, and uh, yeah, I think he's going to do well. All right, we take it away. Not just yet. This is someone who I believe in their ability to get back, uh, but I, I think that it's not going to be immediate return to what we saw this past year. Uh, I think, hey, if we're able to like talk about 2022 as something where we're going to be able to see more majors, we're going to see more people coming back. We're going to see threats to Kadoran who just weren't going to tournaments. Um, I think he's still really good, but the stuff that we saw from him, you know, the SFAT stuff, the Panda loss, uh, like give him Laud, and I think that's so scary. There's so many people who I don't think he wants he to see in his bracket currently. 
that um you know i i can't say it right now i think that he's a really good player his ability to like run through these obstacles he'll eventually get there but there's too many scary people right now and if we're gonna see players if we're gonna see triff or leffen stuff like that that's just something that i can't really buy it just yet what a diplomatic yet precise answer i think when wheat takes this one yeah for the second are you buying the dip question wheat are you buying the dip on gatsu uh I, you know what i'm not even sure if there's much of a dip to buy but i yeah, will what? buy it i'm a i'm a gatsu believer he's the reigning king of the cube champion i think he has been for three weeks straight now um he is someone who if you are talking about top falcons i think it's conventional wisdom to say the, the top three um but he since last year is just as good or sometimes performs better than those three do um yeah i i don't think that there's a reason right now why, where i would say gatsu like where I wouldn't buy the dip on him. Um, I don't even, I don't know what the dip is, but the fact that his matchup spread is goes from like good, right? There's like, uh, even if he sees Magi or something, if he sees a Falco, I think that's still good for him to great. Um, yeah. I, I don't think I would, I would count him out at all. I would definitely buy the dip. All right. What do you think Zane? I'd buy the dip. And I think if you think there is a dip, then you were overrating Gatsu, to be honest. He's, He's gotten better, but he hasn't had any losses that were below the peak he's now established for himself in 2021, is what I'm meaning to say by that. Like, all of the losses he had are consistent with the new level that he's put himself at. If you think that losing to Panda is a big deal, Panda is on the up 100%, and also it's a Florida matchup where Panda is, is like, intimately familiar with that. Um, I think that Weep's 100% right in saying that Gatsu is now on the level of the top three Falcons. But I, I think that we've been so eager to want him to break out for so long that if you're seeing this as a dip, you're misreading it. It's just one more bump in like the very, very consistent path that he's had for his entire career. This is not a dip. A very, a very good answer, Zane. You get the point there. It's just whoever goes last. I said the exact same thing as Wheat. <laughs> All right. The only the, one we disagreed on, Wheat did win, and I I agree with that. So the I think third segment, permanence. The third, well, the, the thing. It, so my basis for this question was that Got, Gatsu has been going Smashbox or Box or whatever at a few events, and I wanted to see if any of you thought that his loss to Panda was indicative of like a larger change. Panda's the like most that. forgivable loss of any of his yeah. losses, Panda's which is why I like that you, I, which I. I liked that you counted that you uh, specifically highlighted that as a loss. That's not like a doomsday for him. Okay. So the next segment, the third. Sorry, segment, I was too busy gathering show matches while that set was happening. <laughs> <laughs> the third segment is: Is it a bubble? So I'm going to name a stock that's currently at very high valuation, and you're going to tell me whether you think that the stock is going to is going to keep going upwards or whether it's a bubble, as in that it's not sustainable. So, wheat. No, I I went second. Yeah, that it's time. Zane this yeah, time. Yeah, excuse excuse me. Uh, Zane, is Marth versus Falco, as in from Marth's perspective, a bubble or not? What? Is it Marth versus Falco? As in Mar Marth players beating Falco players? No, no, it's not a bubble. It is something that will continue to happen. But it's not because of Marth winning the matchup, which he does do, slightly, in my opinion. But I think if you think that's why it is, you're looking at it wrong. 
the reason why it's not a bubble is because of at the top level, at the matches we actually care about, it's the favorite matchup for the top marks. It's one of Zayn's favorite matchups, and it's absolutely Kadoran's favorite matchup. And that's why it's not a bubble. It's not because the matchup is skewed in Marth's favor. It is. Will the Falcos continue to get better against Marth? Yeah, I watch hours of fiction wordlessly grinding against Zayn and laughing whenever he gets down thrown off the stage. He's 100% going to get better. But it's not going to rival the familiarity and the comfortability that someone like Kadoran has after hundreds of locals against another Falco with a really patient laser game, Squid. The question's not phrased correctly. This is controversial because I'm going against you. Because we only think about the top-level players, and there's only really two top-level Marths right now in Kadoran and Zane. Ellis, Logan, so, uh, so inconsistent, I'm not counting them. But Kadoran's familiarity is why it's not a bubble, and Zane's familiarity as well. All right, Nuit, what do you think? Uh, I'd like to start off by saying I think Zane's completely correct on this, even though he did go way over the allotted time, probably three times longer than he should have talked. But uh, yeah, no, I'm going to agree with him. I, I think that everything he said is correct. If you're looking at this from a uh, matchup perspective, I, I think that at low levels, I think Marth still wins. You know, if you get to mid-level, that's something where that that could be wildly different. Um, but yeah, I mean, in a tournament uh, setting, I'm not sure if we're going to see Falco consistently winning over this. Don't forget that Kadorin's one of his first big wins was Ginger uh, and has been able to keep that up. It's And, and Zane obviously is someone who, despite the very, very, um, for every like great win that Mango has over Zane, and we like think about it forever, uh, Zane has about three or four set wins that look pretty, pretty uh, easy. Um, he five what five two mango in an exhibition and then went on to six Oh him. Not, not just Falco, of course. Uh, but yeah, I, I think at this moment, um, the ability for Falco to beat Marth kind of feels at a top, top level kind of feels like it's in mango's hands. And, and anytime we really put something like that in, in that, um, I think that's a tough one to call. So I, I know, uh, or yes, whatever it is, whatever Zane said, I forget if it's a bubble or not. Whatever, it's whatever not a the bubble. Answer okay. It's not a bubble. Okay, I'm going to give this one to Wheat. I thought Zane's answer was actually very bad. I thought his rationale was terrible. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why afterward. Let's go. He said let's the go. same thing as me. No, he 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 went. He took a different different like navigation. He ended up at the same at end point but not not the same route i think it's just think, speak second I, I literally think that's it i no. pissed right now now uh, let's see let's now this is the second you, is he said bubble. that it lies in mango's this hands when mango's not bubble. even playing falcon is, is mech's attendance is mech's attendance at multiple tournaments uh each day is that a bubble wheat yes that's a bubble uh i i don't think that like okay look Preferably, online tournaments will have uh, lesser significance as we go back to uh, in-person. But I think that's something that's never going to die, and I think that's good for the scene that we still have online locals. But Mech entering, like, seven tournaments in one day, I think that is a bubble. Um, it's good stream content, but I also do wonder if people will stop caring once we actually have Melee back. And also... Sidward's just gonna like DQ mech from these types of things. Like t online TOs are not happy about the fact that no fluxes and mech and etc. etc. are holding up bracket. As a TO, you just kind of want to be the most fair to everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's no way to let someone enter seven tournaments in one day and then be most fair to your entire 
tournament by having them compete. So it is a bubble because they are going to start getting DQ'd from stuff. And because of that, we're going to see more single tournament performances or maybe the, a double on the sly. So yeah, so that is a bubble. All right, Zane, what do you think? Is there, is Mech's attendance at multiple tournaments a day bubble or no? Uh, it 100% is a bubble, and Wheat's correct, but the more <laughs> important reason why it's a bubble, actually, is because Mech people know who Mech is on Twitter now. And so when Mech is a nobody who is not actually doing as well, people don't care enough to, to DQ as much because you don't even know if it's just the rando who's using the same tag incidentally as someone else, you know? But now that Mech is known, now that he's in the no fluxes level of notoriety, you can see the murmurings amongst TOs on Twitter. And I agree with we. You see it from Sidward, but you see it from a lot of other people too. You see people talking about it on their private Twitters. I won't leak anything, but people are not happy because now Mech has entered into the public consciousness. And so even if people were mad about it now, now when they sit down to take a bite of their sandwich, the TOs think, God, Mech really fucked up my day yesterday. And so they think about it and they stew over it and they come back and they're less likely to let shit slide the next time. All right. I think we got a tie game here. 3-3. It's whoever goes last. second, apparently. All right. The final question and the final segment of the Edmund Budding Stock Exchange. This is a segment we called Market Watch. So this is a little open-ended. Um, kind of go, goes, you just can, it's just an open-ended question that you can give an answer to. So, Zane, I am very excited to ask you this question, and I think you're going to like it. So, outside of anyone on this show right now, who would you nominate for, uh, or who in the Melee community do you think has what it takes to be a millionaire? Oh, who to be a millionaire? Um, outside of anyone on this show? Mm -hmm. like, or anyone in Melee Stats. Okay, or anyone in melee stats, or anyone in melee stats. Um, I'm gonna go with the person who takes what it has to be a millionaire is Drugged Fox, because Drugged Fox has been around for forever. Drugged Fox is a student of the game, not just in a competitive sense, but in a fucked up, weird single player sense. Drugged Fox loves playing adventure mode. He loves doing weird shit like that, and so he's likely he's not going to get tripped up by you asking what stage you face Roy or Marthon because he loves all of that stuff. On top of that, Drugged Fox is so angry whenever anyone questions his results that he's spent hours pouring through all of the database on everyone's results, crafting his ballot with what he thinks of, and it probably is a level of dedication far more than other people. So I think it's Drugged Fox it's because Drugged he's likely Fox. to know okay. results and because he actually knows single-player melee. And we, you got the last word. I am so happy that we get to end this on a disagreement. Uh, I disagree that Drugged Fox would be the perfect candidate for that. Uh, Drugged Fox has a very specific way of looking at things. It doesn't really have leeway if it's not his specific way. But there's no need to tear down someone else's answer because my answer is going to be Nintendude. Edwin, I was not sure if you said millionaire or millionaire. Um, so I'm going to pick someone who I think could be good at both. I think that <laughs> Nintendo's upwardly mobile uh, career, VP of esports at chess.com, I could see that guy be a millionaire any day now. But also, he is, I think, the ideal candidate that we think of when we write questions. Yeah, I know that you were able to take lead on Millionaire, which is very appreciative. Um, when I wrote for Millionaire, when, when Ambie and I did uh, Jeopardy, we kind of think of, of people who like, who we're, we want as the ideal guest. Toph is a great person for that. But Nintendo's ability to know stuff in-game 
and single player. My God, that guy has like task world records in many different single player stuff. Um, I think that he is someone who pays attention to the competitive aspects of it, like the, the meta. He's paid attention to the the players and he's paid attention to the game itself. Um, so my answer is that he will be both a millionaire and a millionaire at some point in the near future. Just let Wheat have his minute. This, was, fine. this was a very tightly uh, contested game. <laughs> but somehow the second player comes out on top again. <laughs> Wheat, you've won the returning Edwin Budding stock exchange 4-3. to Ipengu was a, was a very good contestant. A uh, lot of good back and forth answers. A lot of agreements, which I wasn't. I, I was kind of hoping I still one of you would just know, take the other. I still want to know what umbrage you took with my answer about Kadori. I I think yeah. It was actually, like, I will. I'm gonna give my minute to you to talk about. I that. think it was. You said something along the lines of like, you said it wasn't that like Marth player because I think you said something like it wasn't that like Marth players were beat. Because you were both saying you were saying a lot of things that can be true at the same time, but you worded it in a way where I had to like go back and like think about what you were saying because you would say something and then add a stipulation to it and be like, "Well, like I don't think Marth players beat beat Falco players, although I think they do beat Falco players, and I think that the I think that Marth slightly wins the matchup." But I think it's a bubble. But I think it's a bubble, or I don't think it's a bubble because I think that Zane and Kadoran's experience in the matchup will outweigh any like relevant Falco player at their level. To like you, you basically just took this like very circuitous route around to get to the same endpoint that we did. But we we did a slightly different route with less stipulations. I thought he gave a better answer. That was why. Well, Edwin, I appreciate you putting that on. The fans have been clamoring. Uh, and if Twitch chat is any indication, uh, maybe maybe some things are best left in the past. <laughs> Sam- Sammy is also not a good answer. I just didn't know who to say. Sammy doesn't know results that well. I just had to I pick someone and run with it. I think it, you, you sold it. You didn't you, like I, I think you're right. Maybe it's not the best answer, but you sold it. So I appreciate that. Uh, Edwin was did you say millionaire or millionaire? Millionaire. Okay. I was le- legitimately thinking who is a millionaire, and I'm like, Dark Genix might already be a millionaire. I will yeah. say, I think Mike would be awful in the results-based part of the section. I don't think he knows results. That's what I'm not sure about. That's I the one thing. I actually really don't, don't think he uh, I don't know. We, we talk results at the, uh, at the Smash World Tour hotel room. The actual answer... No, Nico is an idiot about single-player stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I don't think you would know anything about single player melee i don't know zane i'll say the board that you swept the ibdw board uh i think all the questions it was like all in like your wheelhouse i will say very yeah. un- like 2015 like the hdc throwdown era i know i was a little worried about reaching out to you for that because i thought i was like no like zane's gonna remember like infinite numbers at pound the one thing that i thought would trip you up uh without giving it away to the public was the uh was the one about uh prince abu i thought that one would trip you up but jake... well, that's the one that i had to use my lifeline yeah, for jake... and prince abu was almost the one that tri- tripped me up but jake yeah. knew it so and once you got that one right i thought okay zane will zane will get the next few but i was really scared i thought there was a chance ibdw would win after after you swept the board. You said you West would... Balls, right? I can't. Oh, so sad. People yeah, who don't know that six, West right? Balls lost to, well, no, Pound. Pound. No, uh, West Balls lost to infinite numbers at the Big House 6, I guess. is. But at Pound. Oh, uh, oh, it... Yeah, but the question was about Pound 2016. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying, like, I I understand that. Yeah, yeah, that I, he, I understand. Yeah, yeah. It was a good <laughs> trick question. It was fire of the hip. I was like, okay, let me, let me just let you in on some behind-the-scenes knowledge, uh, audience. So, 
I appreciate IBW. I have a very good professional relationship with him. He's one. I admire him a lot. I love his dedication to the game. I did give directions to the talent before the show to take their time on answers. He did not fucking do that. <laughs> no, IBW shot from the hip. I didn't get to watch that live, so I just opened up the Google Drive file and I saw that it was 18 minutes long. And I was like, damn, Cody lost on like question number five. And then he's no, on he question No, he was like, boom, eight. boom, boom. That was so stupid. <laughs> Cody, great individual. Um, I I think Edwin's right. Great professional relationship with Melee Stats. Unfortunately, I I think I could have been the reason why he deleted his Twitter. I uh, did have to message him about a show match. I was wondering if that's what it was about, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. 17 minutes after he lost to HBox. But I think that's a perfect opportunity for us to talk about some of the best upsets at LACS4. Uh, because the idea of, of HBox beating IBW as a huge upset might not be something that <laughs> would sound crazy it's pretty, uh, it's a couple pretty years big ago. now, yeah. <laughs> but not only did he beat him, he 3-0'd him. I think that this is something... Okay, we, we have a lot of cool upsets to talk about here, so I don't want to harp on this one. A, a lot of these are upsets that I feel like really cool, uh, but might not change my perception on what's going forward. This is something, though. Is this an upset that changes your guys' ideas on what happens in the future of IBW HBox. Zane, do you did you I don't know if you got to watch that set at all. IBW versus HBox? Yeah. Um I did not watch that set. I have not watched all of LACS 12 because I was uh do I was like all nightering and working the entire time during bracket actually. Um but no just knowing that it how it went, uh nope. It changes nothing about my thoughts on <laughs> IBW versus HBox. Uh, uh he did get he's... clutch god clutch yeah. godded yeah exactly that's part of why it changes nothing i think uh cody's one of the best foxes versus puff in the entire world and hungry pox especially in the online era plays a really high volatility style where he's i think more likely to take big risks and drift into you and play the mix-up immediately rather than take a chance on that mm-hmm. so you catch someone on a day when they don't have the mix-up i think that it's gonna not look good for them but uh no cody's cody's like cody's the best fox versus marth in the world fox versus i keep saying marth versus puff in the world and if it means that if it changes for this it means that it changes every h fox versus fox set uh i just don't think that's what no no yeah i agree with zane completely uh i i will say that i while i would favor ibdw against uh hungry box like still like pretty pretty comfortably We'll say that, like, so, like, let's put it this way. How, how comfortably would you put IBDW against HBox? Uh, I, I'll be honest. At the end of, uh, at the end of like, 2021, 20, I would have said that, like, if, if these two play, like, seven sets, I think IBDW wins, like, six of them. I was very confident in that. Like, I, I thought, like, you know, it, like, you know, maybe HBox can take a set. But like he needs every stop to go his way, and it has to be like three two or something, like or three one. Like, it has to be like a summit set where IBDW SDs or something, right? Like mm-hmm. where it's possible for him to beat him, but he needs every break to go his way. I will say, I I don't think Hungrybox versus IBDW is as like trending towards hopeless as I initially imagined, but I still think it's a I still think it, it'll be really hard like to do that long term, even though it is a three zero. Great answer, Edwin. I think the point goes to you. Oh, uh, sorry. Because <laughs> that... I was the second person, right? I, yeah, I got exactly. it. Right. We're running well, a, t- a new bit. It's called uh, Wall Wall Wheat, Wheat Street. 
Well, tell me we'll what you th- what do you think of what do you think of IBW <sighs> HBox moving forward? Yeah, I think that this is um yeah, I I've talked about this before. Uh it's not quite like bubble theory level of stupidity, but I I do like I see everyone's levels uh and, and like it's like a like a box plot, right? Like um I think there are people who are way above other people and if if everyone played at their top at their peaks, you know, some of these upsets would never happen, but there are definitely players who can play kind of the lower end of their spectrum and there's players who are playing who are playing kind of at the upper end of their spectrum i think that's what we saw um we saw cody who in that set i mean i didn't get to watch all of it uh i did get to see him up i think three stocks to one on the last game and end up losing um definitely not playing in a way that he would want to play i think it's something about uh the fact it was online obviously you know other uh you know he just maybe wasn't playing well um and hbox who like for for all that we make fun of him now about like not being the hbox he used to be he's someone who i've never wanted to count out even in yeah. the like pop off on otez era like he is someone who if you if you say like would you bet fifty dollars that he would like that he will not win a set against this person doesn't matter who it is i i would not feel confident in that. like agreed um he is someone who at any moment can can really turn the jets on um and i think that's what we saw and, and like the flip side of it, we saw Moki end up beating him. Um, I so I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think Hbox, um, I think he's on a little bit of a higher trend than he might have been at the end of last year. Uh, you know, maybe mm-hmm. like Summit, we saw him; it didn't look great. And then Smash World Tour, he kind of got destroyed by Wizzy into getting destroyed by Polish. So he's not exactly at the highest um, he's been in the past couple of years, uh, for past couple of months even. Uh, but I think what we've seen of him at LACS was, it was good. It was affirming that he's still a good player and then affirming that the people who actually practice the game right now, uh, and like actually put their time into the game are going to be the ones who are going to end up better. Um, so this Cody set, yeah, maybe he wins 20, 30% of their sets or something. Uh, but I, I think Cody, I still really favor him. If they meet in bracket, that's a scary person maybe. for HBox to see. Yeah, it's the worst matchup for him other than maybe Wizzy. Yeah, Wizzy, that's a scary one. Polish, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe 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 they they deserve to be up there <laughs> the way the way their sets are going. Uh what other upsets kinda caught your eyes? I think there were some fun ones, but I don't know if you guys have any one specifically that you want to bring up. Well Yeah, I sorry, you Zane, go. you go ahead. You go. No, you go, you go, you go. Okay. I was gonna say I loved uh I, I loved watching Moki's run like through through the whole was bracket. I was really impressed by the fact that he, he beat Kadoran. Uh, obviously, like beating Plup is is no beating Plup and Hungry Boss. Beating, Plup, or, or, beating Plup's the really big one for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no slouch. Especially yeah. after Plup just beat IBDW too. Actually, beating Hbox pretty big too. Um, Moki's mm-hmm. only beaten Hbox once before. I think they were six and one, and it was uh, was that an SCL? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was that was right after he got placed in Division Two and yeah. Xbox in Division One. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and it's an interesting thing. I would really love to talk to Moki about this because he, it's a matchup that he used to hate a lot. And you know, Mo- Moki's thing that he always used to talk about was that because of the region of Canada he lived in, he didn't get a lot of matchup experience in certain matchups, and the ones that he would complain about would be Sheik and Puff specifically. Mm-hmm. Um. But he would still theorycraft it. 
because him and Legend would talk about it. He just never got to play Legend because they're on opposite sides of Canada, and so there wasn't an opportunity to play. And then now we all obviously know that Moki's internet is absolute dog, so I don't yeah. know how much how much practice he's actually gotten in the matchup. But like him and Legend talk all the time, and Moki thinks about the matchup. But it's not it's one of his least it's his least familiar top tier matchup, I think, by a pretty pretty wide. Legend market. is still Montreal, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so Ontario Loki, to Montreal uh, might have felt like also. it was across the country back yeah. in delay based days. Right in delay based netcode. I, I don't yeah, want to get attacked by the lunar dusks of the world. <laughs> we also we don't know we don't know maybe Moki's internet was fucking everything back up then. I just know that he Probably did not was. he did not play. Yeah. Uh, he did not play Legend because I said it one time that I knew he was posting Puff Tech because he he innovated uh, SDI up on the up air to not mm-hmm. get tech trapped. Mm. Um, but it was purely a theory-based thing because I said, oh, you know, maybe he did that because of playing with Legend, and he said, no, I actually, you know, was just thinking about that because I was so mad about Puff. So uh, the win over HBox is actually pretty big, even though you think of, like, someone with Puff player in region, top 10 player, Fox, as it not being a huge deal. I think Faust is also someone that he talks to a lot about That's probably the matchup true. as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was just, uh... like, a really good run from Moki. It... Yeah. yeah, it's it's something that like <laughs> so so obviously you know the the first bit of the PGR contenders dropped today. Um, mm-hmm. He was not voted on by enough people to be eligible. This is something that were I abstained. Uh, I, I believe that Edwin, I think you abstained as well. Yeah. Um, we had Dargenics on the show to talk about the top one hundred or the the top thirty, um, and I believe he abstained as well. Just someone who really good results, but the number of sets that he played versus top players. Uh, it was kind of hard to slot him in in a way that felt fair to everyone. Um, but yeah, like what we've seen from him recently is, uh, I think it was what, Pinnacle? Pinnacle 2021. He did very well versus none. He ended up winning the event. He did okay at Summit 11, something that was definitely underneath what the expectations were. Um, but kind of quietly online has been doing really, really well and just going to a few things, but doing well at them. I think he like double limited Aklo recently. Yeah, the nightclub. Um, at the nightclub. And now this, this is kind of the moment where, like, if you haven't been paying attention to those little one-off online tournaments, then this is the moment to see this. But, like, this is still a surprise to me. Um, where do you guys put Moki right now? Because, like, he seems to be someone who, before this event, I would not put in, like, the SFAT level tier. But now I don't have a reason not to. I, I would put him right mm-hmm. there. I would, yeah, in I my mind, he's, like, 11th or 12th, probably. Okay. Right, because SFAT to me is is right in that tier. They're like the bottom of the top ten. Would you would you put I Moki above outside. Polish right now? No. Would you put no, Moki Polish above Kadoran? Huh? Moki above Kadoran. Yeah, I yeah, think he ends know up being. Yeah, I think I think eight to I mean, ten I know Kod- somewhere. I know Kadoran. Yeah, has I might like be a little bit off, but that's what I. That's where. Oh, I and meant. Leffen, you know, throw Leffen in there. Yeah, so I'm, I'm imagining Leffen in yeah, there as yeah. well. I think he gets pushed right to ten or eleven, is what I'm imagining. Right. That it's, sounds about right. Yeah, man, top five, so and then it's it's Amsa, Wizzy. Um, Dude, even like even like his rough summit uh, eleven. It's like if you look at the people that he lost to, it's like. It's like okay, I guess. I guess this is not like when the standards are top ten. Like obviously, like every. Did he lose to at Summit Eleven? He lost to like Kadoran, Logan, and like Mango or something. Like it's yeah, not I think, like I think he had another horrible. loss that wasn't 
as great. Give well, this is the other thing that is why year-end rankings are always bullshit, and I think they're stupid, but, like, good also, is we don't ever think of players on a year-long basis. No one actually... Yeah, Moki now is very different than what he was in, like, like June. Exactly, and so it's so easy for me in the way that I actually think of, like, not saying a year-end ranking, but, like, right now, I don't think about him losing to Ghidorin or Logan at all. That, like, literally does not factor into my mind because it happened so long ago. And he ended up being Ghidorin here, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, really the, impressive. The scary things that we look at for up-and-coming Fox players, I think, are not very... doesn't seem to be very present in his game. And I think that's really weird. Like, I I, I mean, this is just perception things. Um, Moki is a really cool player, and sometimes it's easier to like have more confidence in people who sell themselves as smart players. <laughs> uh, but obviously there's like a whole spectrum to this, right? He is, he's a very uh, well-crafted player who also is someone who is able to be very, very entertaining. So it's just, yeah, it's funny. Like we might not exactly say that he's the matchup specialist, but then he goes into these matchups and he, you know, it's obviously he's very learned in them. Okay, I have two things to say. One is that yes. I really disagree with that characterization of Moki. Obviously, is a cool punish game, but if you watched what I have watched of his run at LACS reveals what I've always noticed about Moki. Moki in tournament is a very different beast. He's one of the most defensive, evasive foxes, I think, actually playing at a top level. Um, him versus Fiction, granted it's last stock, he has a full stock lead, but in the last stock of him versus Fiction on FD, Moki did 48 damage in lasers just from running away yeah. from Fiction and lasering that him. Was a... and, yeah. and that's how he played a lot. That's how he played against Pluppet's Cheek. That's how he played against Him versus Ace Bobby was so funny when <laughs> yeah. Bobby just kept going to ledge and yeah. Moki was like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> just Moki, Moki does not go in. Moki is someone who, <laughs> who plays really evasive because his he and then he has so many different ways to play the punish game because he plays the mix-ups but he also just plays i tech chase back throw you to death i do tech chase i do the best platform tech chases of anyone not named leffen or pipsqueak right and so does that um and then the other thing i say is that i was looking at my list and in my mind moki is 10th or 11th it's like between him and sfat basically i think is I, yeah i mean that's something i was, was kind of getting at, is that like his perception is something that I don't know if a lot of people would give him the same level of credit as like an S fat, right? Uh, just because the the way that they show themselves to the world is pretty different. But I think he deserves it. He is someone who is obviously well studying these matchups and is obviously willing to do what it takes to win. Like he's also can have really fun sets where he's very cool. But you know, when when push comes to shove and he gets in these situations. I don't think that he is someone to be counted out, which just perception alone, I think that might be a surprise to some people who only know him from his Twitch clips and, you know, the stuff he puts on Twitter. Maybe ninth. I actually don't know. I loved watching his sets against Falco. It was, yeah, it was beautiful. I've, I've played him on Netplay a few times, and oh my god. I mean, on Netplay, he plays completely differently, because if he knows you're worse than him, he runs in all the time, but he <laughs> does not do that. Uh uh, in tournament i'm trying to think that like i'm trying to think how i would rank the trio of hbox moki and spat and i think actually maybe i put moki at the top in terms of just like how how well do i think they would do right now you know so that in my mind makes him ninth hbox is an interesting one i think his results last year um 
you know, he was like hitting levels of, you know, he was hitting players who were just, he wasn't able to beat. Um, I, I mean, he ended up taking a set off. Was he ended up taking a set off of IBW? I don't want to say wasn't able to beat, um, but he was hitting players who were very, very difficult to beat, but also was kind of ad- acting like a gatekeeper. Um, I don't know if I see Moki like that. So that's definitely an interesting one. Um, but I want to get back to something you, you mentioned. You mentioned Bobby Big Balls. Let's talk about his run because oh, yeah. I don't even know what the best upset is here. So it, it starts off with him. It's a best of three. It's pools. He beats Spark. I think Spark's amazing. Spark obviously had some swingy results, went to winning the uh, VIP tournament at Smash Summit 12 to, I don't think he took a set at Smash World Tour. Nope. Um, so that's someone who, I don't Feel know, bad. maybe you can understand that. Uh, so he gets into winners, and who does he end up losing to? He loses uh, to S2J. Yeah, that, sure, sure, sure. Uh, so then he goes into losers. He beats Ben three one. He beats Slug three zero. He beats Face Roll game five, and then three zero Sora to get into top twelve. I mean, it's it's Face Roll is the most the most impressive one by a country yeah. mile to me. That's ridiculous. Um. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's a good matchup for Griffin too. Yeah. Again, it's it's that it's the UCI triumvirate <laughs> of Kadoran, Griffin, and and Squid, where it's like those are their most comfortable matchups, I think, um, or the, at least ones they've played so much. And so, yeah, I, I that's crazy to me. Three owing slug is really impressive to me. I think you're right. Face roll beating face roll is the most impressive win. Three mm-hmm. owing slug is something I did not expect. Decimate. He decimated slug. I commentated that set. It was <laughs> not close. He annihilated. He looked amazing, but it was also like so. In the middle of the set, I looked up his his uh, all time record versus Cool Lime. It is not in Bobby Big Ball's favor, <laughs> not by a long shot. Um, but I guess just being an MDVA, you just are built fucking different when it comes to the ice climbers, <laughs> so. right? So he brings that with him, and yeah, it, he messed up slug. Yeah, that that's something that's Bobby's always this player who I think can do well, and I, I he was kind of the poster boy for online improvement um, before yeah. we like started to have the idea of tournaments coming back um like late 2020 he was definitely this guy who was like okay is bobby like top 30 now you know that was so crazy yeah (laughs) yeah he was just playing bobby bones 404 cray like all this when people were like people were like falcos are doing well so online doesn't count (laughs) he's also uh, he's also owen five versus bananas just to say that too (laughs) like he's owen five versus bananas owen three versus cool lime i don't know why he fucked up slug so bad that was crazy he has this weird ability to like turn it on um and and we talked about this on our old podcast when we were doing the top 100 like if you throw bobby big balls into uh, a random double division bracket there's a lot of people who are very scary to him. But if you throw him into, I mean, this is obviously very different than what you said, these very losing matchups. Um, but he had a lot of good set records in MBVA at the end of 2019. He'd be like 11 and one with Mog or like, you know, eight and one with juice box or something. All these players who I think are really good. And if I see him in a bracket, it's like, that could be scary. Um, he just has this weird ability to like, when the plays a lot, feel very comfortable I don't know if that's what we're seeing. I don't think he has like an Icy's practice partner or like a chic type thing. Um, but I believe in his ability to like turn it on and, and piece it together uh, as much as I believe in his ability to just drop the bag at any given time. So I don't know if this changes my opinion on Bobby, um, but I guess it's not the last time we're going to see a run like this. 
Yeah, I think the the one thing I would say is I definitely agree that beating face roll is really impressive considering face roll's history and like experience in that matchup. I do think like weirdly like Sheik, I, I've been tracking results for this year and like the last year online. I do think like it, it's kind of strange that Sheik and is like one of Bobby's really strong matchups. Like I know he's been a bit of a roadblock, like like not just historically, but like even even like the last like four months or so against like J Flex and Ben like a lot like ben yeah. used to ben used to, like ben's in our discord he's he's a wonderful poster uh he uh he used to talk about how like playing bobby a lot like he finds bobby harder than like ginger and stuff like because of how Bob- i don't i don't know falco chic very well so i can't so, it makes like, sense i, I wouldn't know how to i wouldn't know how to, to like break it down but he would talk about how like bobby is really hard to like to bobby's, play against. bobby is a really defensive player who gets a lot of his openings off of counter hits um and counter hitting Sheik is like like that's a I'm of the opinion that Sheik is one of the more difficult Falco matchups. I don't know about like actual matchup spread, but in terms of easy to play versus hard to play, I think it's a pretty hard matchup to play because Nair out of she she's just really good at beating aerial approaches and Falco has to aerial aerially approach. It's like really hard to approach on the ground with with Falco unless you're doing like wave dash and shine. And then even then it's like, you get a grab, right? And so what happens mm-hmm. after that? Um, so that's really strong, but Bobby is very content to play in the corner and is cheeks want to beat you in the corner. They go over there and he's just really good at getting a counter hit. And then once he gets the counter hit, the other thing happens, which is that Falcos are really bad at punishing Sheik. She is, I think of the non floaties, the character who it's hardest to get a really long meaty combo on for Falco um compared to marth compared to falcon compared to fox even compared to peach i feel like comboing peach with falco is is easier sometimes than comboing chic but uh bobby's punish game is fucking insane right so he he like gets hits in a really really skewed way and then he breaks past one of the usual limitations that falco has so it it makes sense to me actually because he's such a defensive player and being defensive is really good well, uh, let's pivot here. So we're talking about the biggest upsets. Uh, technically, this end result isn't upset by seed, but I don't think this is something that really would surprise <laughs> anyone. Uh, Zane came into this, the top seed in the East, and ended up being second seed overall. Uh, but, like, did we expect this? So so Zane comes in, and he kind of returns this online dominance that we haven't seen since, you know, the LACS three days or whatever. Or I guess not LACS three, but, you know. Uh, the the 2020 slippy era uh like what did you guys expect a 3-0 uh followed by another 3-0 did you did we expect a big 6-0 you know what's really funny i like my head was telling me that like it wouldn't like you know that that zane mango is pretty exciting and everything even before the event i just had a sense i was like zane's gonna destroy mango like i feel it. like i like i was talking about it with someone and i was like i think zane's gonna like six him or like really brutal and like i just had a feeling that it would turn out like that i think that to to be fair i thought the second set would be a bit more competitive but i just had a feeling it would be really ugly or that zane would solidly win if they played i i can't really say why i felt so confident for this event in particular I just, really? I just had a I just had a hunch. I was like, this is gonna be really ugly. You can't say why. I think it's pretty easy to say why. It's Mango Zane on no that obviously, but it's Zane Online. Like Zane Online is is so good. That's Zane Online, Mango had COVID. I don't think there's much else to say about it. It's one of those sets that is one of the three that Zane has 
for every great mango win you were talking about earlier week. Like, well, do you yeah. think it's replicable? Like, do you think there's always a chance that like this will happen at their next event? Or, yeah, and we'll forget. Yeah, or, it. Yeah, There's yeah. always a chance, and we'll forget it and not talk right. about it afterwards. That's just the way things go. Like straight up, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think that this is literally zero change from what we saw over the past year, especially it's, when you consider Mango had COVID. It's reminiscent of. Um, I don't think it. So he like, had COVID confirmed. I thought he was just sick. No, no, no. Know. He said he had COVID okay, at the he, beginning. He was, yeah, he was fucked up. He's an unreliable narrator. Okay, that's right. Either way, he was fucked up. I like I put not, absolutely not no no judgment or stakes on this match, basically. It's whatever. It kind of reminds me of um and, and Edwin, I'm gonna mention this. Don't just say no. <laughs> like last time I mentioned something it reminds me. <laughs> uh, it, like we all love the really, really great Armada uh Mago sets, and then there's a lot of sets yeah, where Armada yeah. just kind of Armada just trounces him. Yeah, yeah, and we forget those. There are some of those are memorable. The was it Genesis Four, the one where he just fucking <laughs> Genesis just Four speed him. Yeah. That one, that one Mango, is memorable. <laughs> Mango made everyone was like plot armor, plot armor, because he made the biggest losers run, and, and then he like, got Armada was like, no, destroyed. <laughs> there's a couple yeah, sets. Yeah, God. there's so many sets like that where like Mango will like lose game one and it's close. Then he'll like get lose game two and it's bad, and he takes him to like Yoshi's again, and it's like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. That I was think... most of Tafo's job as a coach was trying to convince Mango to not go, go to Yoshi's, and he never did it successfully. <laughs> I don't know. I think like you know, it's it, when Mango's on one, he he really did well versus Armada. Well, just, you know, sometimes. Uh, and I think it's something similar with Zane. Like when he's on one, he can definitely beat Zane. We saw it uh what three times last year like <laughs> we we definitely um know he has the potential to do it but yeah it's like any given time you go into a tournament um i think zane's probably the one to be favored it's just the fact that we kind of forget all the sets all the three o's and we only choose to remember the like amazing mango set wins i mean um, I, yeah. it, it also comes down to like the the people consider online results in a really different way and zane's True. dominance has been so largely credited to online and mango's wins other than that one scl win like mango's wins do come offline and so there's something to be said about the fact that we still do consider offline competition to be more real competition um uh, even though i think online in a lot you know i don't need to say all the caveats you know <laughs> but um yeah we we consider it differently and online or sorry, offline, Mango has looked like a different player. So in the Zayn matchup specifically, or maybe Zayn looks like a different player, I think. that. Well, yeah, that's a great thing that I wanted to bring up um, because I think when we talk about Zayn's dominance, it the shorthand to like give the time frame is online, right? Mm -hmm. It's Zayn online was one of the most dominant players we saw for like a 12-month stretch or whatever, you know, whatever way you want to describe it. Um, but is online there is that the qualifier to give you a time frame or is that the qualifier to understand that it's because it's online like how do we view obviously mango is a player who we view better land than online um but what's the other side of that right it's a two-player game um how do you guys view zane online versus zane offline edwin is this like something that i don't know if you have any strong opinions on this uh i don't know honestly like I, i've kind of gone back and forth on this like, I think that, so if we look at the two events that Zane, like the two LAN events that we have, like since Zane's really big online breakout, they're, um, 
or I, I guess he went to three. So let's let's think about what we've seen from Zayn offline, right? Uh, he won one like smaller. I don't know if it counts as like a major, but like he won he won uh, the Smash World Tour like North American East Finals, which like pretty pretty convincingly in a way that we would believe would would be like indicative of say like the kind of dominance that we saw from online Zane. Mm-hmm. We saw Smash Summit Eleven, which was a uh, you know which is an all time great tournament with like a incredibly like a like a one of a kind grand finals, right? We we saw something that we saw something that might have happened to 2019 Zane, right? And then in Smash Summit 12, we saw, you know, someone that Zane beat a lot on LAN and online finally like kind of break break a long losing streak and then he lost again to Mango. So, we've we've only like seen him on LAN in three events and we've seen so much of him online. I feel like it's really hard to like it's tough for me to say to say there's like definitively a difference, even though I mean there is in the result, but like it's hard for me to put any predictiveness on it in either direction because it's like the two events that we didn't see like online Zane show up offline were such like one of a kind events in their own way, right? Like mm-hmm. we saw Mango win, we saw Mango have like made the greatest losers run of like the modern era or or in that tier of event, right? And then we saw IVDW win his, like, he won Riptide, but he won his first, like, super major ever. So it's like, you know, is it really that Zane is different offline? Or is it that, like, the two, two of three events that we've seen him offline were just, like, one of a kind events where, like, the competition is just that good? It's, it's really hard for me to tell. I, I don't know. <laughs> I've, like, I kind of thought, I've thought about it for, for a while, and I, I still don't really have an answer. <laughs> I think that he's absolutely different on on offline, uh, and for all you think it's the, like a nerves thing or or like a matchups thing. It's something, something else. It's I I don't know that I would say nerves exactly. It's something atmosphere based. Maybe it is just a coincidence, but you can't deny us like. You can say that it's Mango and IBDW having historic runs. I would. I'm more inclined to believe that on the IBDW one. Um, for everything, and I don't want to take away from Mango here at all because part of melee is putting yourself in a bad position and making them fuck up. And when Mango wins, it's going to look like that a hundred percent. But when Mango and Zane have played other times online, sorry, offline, and Mango has looked really good, Big House is a really good example. Um. I I I will probably still say that that summit set is like one of the greatest sets of all time, and those two sets mm-hmm. are some of the greatest sets of all time. Mm-hmm. I do think Zane played worse there than he played at Big House. When Mango won Big House, fucked up a lot more things. Both amazing he, sets, by the way. Both amazing <laughs> sets, and they're sets. amazing because they're fun to watch and they're good melee. And Mango plays fucking amazing. Zane doesn't play at his top level at Summit. It's so clear. It's like so so clear. He fucked up so many things. Um. And he has previously been put in that position by Mango and not fucked them up and still lost to Mango. So that that's my evidence for it being like a separate thing. That's also evidence for, I don't know that it's going to be a consistent thing. If we go back mm-hmm. to mostly offline tournaments, he could totally get back to the point of just being the Zane that we expect and who can beat Mango, even when Mango is playing really, really hot. But I definitely think right now there is a difference. I think that clear as day that Zane played not his best at Summit. Like, it's just, yeah, in that Grand Finals. It goes back to what I had to say before about the H-Box Zane sets in 2019, um, where 
IBW this was a historic moment. Like, you know, a, a definitely an outlier in their sets that they've had. Um, I think you kind of say the same thing about Mango to a lesser extent. I think there's more of a history there to not say it's an outlier. Uh, but definitely, you know, like Edwin said, a historic event. How many of these historic events have to happen before we're like, okay, well... Yeah, it becomes, this... it becomes regular. <laughs> yeah. Is this an outlier or is this just... is If it happens enough, um, is that just something that we kind of expect to see? I think that the, the saving grace for Zane that I would bring up is um, Genesis 7. You know, he has, even though it's been two years ago, he has proven to be able to do this at a super major. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, Zane might have been better online. Um, his 2020 Slippy uh, and, and 2021 performances online probably a pretty historic high i don't know you know maybe that's a monday morning marth in the near future um but yeah like I, i'm willing to say that and also willing to say that he is i, I don't think he's a different player it's just you know the the small small differences the nuances between the two <coughs> i think is enough for those other top players where it changes something where he's heavily favored to something where you can have people who end up taking sets um so yeah, it's interesting to see, and I hope that we're able to get to see him at Genesis 8 in April, um, because I think that he is someone who, he might go into this as the as the number one favorite, but like, you know, we talk about IBW, we talk about Mango, we talk about Leffen, Plup, um, Axe, it's like there's so many people who make me wonder like how easy his path to the top is really going to be uh, when we actually get online majors back offline majors back. That is here's, here's, here's my prediction. It, it's that I, I think mango is the player with the best 2021 overall uh, in terms of like prestigious events and everything. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Zane is a different player offline right now. I think if we go to mostly offline tournaments for 2022, Zane ends the year. I'm like pretty confident in that. I think this landscape will be so different and it benefits Zane in a way that uh, we'll end up with him as number one. Or it's Leffen. Leffen Who knows? I can't wait to talk about this more. Uh, obviously, there's still so much before we get to you know 2022 majors. Um, so I can't wait to talk about that more. But uh, let's let's move on to the, the last segment of the, uh, of the night right here. We've got some questions from Patreon for you. Oh, cool. Um, so I'm going to ask one. This one is a, a two-parter. It's from someone who's not a patron, but someone who is pretty important to Melee Stats. It's from our own Ambi Sinister. So he has two questions. Which one is smarter? Or which is smarter? The average Genesis contributor or the average Columbia undergrad? Uh, <laughs> ooh. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Genesis contributor for for sure. Wow, you're one. too flattering. Uh, uh, I well, I I also have to say, I sort of have a feeling that a lot of the donations from Genesis were big donations from not from from smaller from like a smaller number of people, and those mm -hmm. people are smart to donate such a large amount of money to Genesis. Uh, sure. And I have nothing flattering to say about Columbia undergrads. Did uh did Chalamet graduate from there? Did he ever no, get a degree? No, he transferred to NYI. So we were the same year, and I went to a party with him one time. Uh, and then he transferred to NYU after like two years, and ended up doing that instead. Yeah, I don't know. 
All right, I have a I have a pretty good oh, one. There's from... a there's a follow up from Ambi that I oh I didn't see the yeah the, the follow up is do you think you have nicer hair than Falco or does Falco have you beat? Those are feathers, Eric. That was my Anatomy. response. Okay, that's great that we're on the same page on this one. Edwin, Typical Yaley, am I right? <laughs> Typical Tar Heels. All right, here's here's a good one from Seal. What's your favorite commentary block you've done? If you have one. Oh, um, I do have some. Uh, there's some nightclub sets that have been really fun, but it's like hard to remember. I'm usually a little tipsy for those. The ones that are that really stand out to me are um, I don't know if the this isn't like my best commentary, but just like I've been lucky enough to commentate this a lot of these. Um, Laudandus versus Gravy is forever my favorite favorite set i've commentated it is a fucking hilarious doesn't set. gravy four stock him in the first game or something gravy four stocks him yeah odantis okay. is getting fucked up he is so angry he's getting he's sdiing he's all of the up airs perfectly and he's still getting up aired <laughs> off stage he's so mad he just goes he gets up here and he goes at the screen and then um and then in game three he's like what if i just camp and i just shino stall on the ledge the entire match um and then your reverse three has gravy and it's it's incredible it's so funny historic um, run the this my favorite my other favorite sets i really really loved pew pew versus mango at shine 2018 i think i commentated that with chroma and i thought we did a really really good job commentating that set and it was also i don't know if you guys remember but it was a sick game five like last hit set it was really really cool and then um, the sets where I'm like most proud of my commentary are always when I like call something out and it happens. So recently, I posted a clip on Twitter where I was I was noticing in um, Aklo versus Zuppy, Zuppy, yeah, Aklo versus Zuppy that Zuppy was doing a lot of uh, dash in neutral jump fade back drills, and I said Aklo Aklo needs to start overshooting with shine or nair to beat that or and he did and it was cool um another moment like that that i really love is way back at a nebulous in like 2016 or something um cobol played cobol was at a super nebs and i think he played zang guzen i think it was zang maybe ryan k but it was a falco it was definitely zang and Zhang kept uh, in between stocks, full hopping to like the top left corner of the stage above mm -hmm. the platforms. It's on battlefield and shine stalling, and then just like double jumping out of that again in a really dangerous way because he was just using his double jump and doing it when Cobol had invincibility. Obviously, you want to get away. I was like, Cobol's gonna full. He's gonna full hop up air and catch him without a double jump, and, and then he did it. And I was like, yeah, that that seems about right. Uh, yeah, so moments like that, uh, and then uh, fluid fiction. Fluid fiction was also also <laughs> Zane, a really fun set. Did you have a gommel block of like when before before uh, Zane's like big breakout? I did, like, I be... did have a gommel block. I had Zane versus Dewan. Yeah, I was gonna oh, say nice. Zane versus Shroomed would have been my guess for one of the ones that you. That's remember. a really that was a really fun set. That that block is one that I um that I don't think about when I think of my favorite commentary blocks, even though I was commentating it with my good friend, Jackzilla, because the the response from the community was almost unanimously negative, and they were like, 
it seems like Jackzilla and Ipengu just met for the first time 30 <laughs> seconds before this and don't like each other because we just didn't pay attention to what the other person was saying because we know each other so well that it was like I I'm not gonna actually. That's so build funny because I remember saying. liking it a lot at the time. I thought, oh, I this know. is. I thought it was a fun block. That was that was that was the most Yoshi frame data I've ever got to drop in a block because I commented well, two Omsa sets. So that was fun. That was fun. Oh, and also, uh, um, Kami. Sorry, I've said so many. Kami, no, this is great. Kami versus Jojo, I think. No, Kami versus someone. Kami versus Artie. It was a Peach. Kami versus Artie or some other Peach. Could be Artie. Uh, um. I think at, at, uh, at Liftoff, the Arcadian, um, that's the hardest I've ever popped off. And people <laughs> use that in like NYC hype trailers for a while because Kami hit the sickest fucking combo. I think it's Hell still yeah. the number one clip or one of the top clips on the old Nebulous channel. So you can that's wild. There. Yeah. Really insightful answers. Um, that's super cool. Yeah, I, I love that you have those types of uh, memories associated with all those blocks. Um, I'm going to have one last question right here. We got some great questions, uh, but I'm going to do something that, you know, you were a part of Genesis. Obviously we talked about it. You were a lead. Uh, unfortunately, the kind of the final thing that the Genesis team did, you were not uh, a part of. I don't know if you saw it on Twitter posted by Jade, but oh, there the was a letter tier list. There was a letter tier list. So yes. the question comes from our patron poison. What is your favorite letter of the alphabet? Um, I'm a really big fan of the letter L. L, interesting. I like L a lot when I'm like thinking about names and stuff. I'm one of those people who takes a really long time to name Pokemon, um, which is a really big difference from how I used to name my Pokemon because I would just be like, <laughs> Kecleon's a chameleon. You can't fucking fool me, Game Freak. And I would name it Chameleon. Um, <laughs> And like I would just name whatever whatever Pokemon the animal that they were based off of, uh, but I really like L. It's an elegant letter. I loved writing cursive L's when I, we were writing cursive in, in middle school, um, and I like that it's not actually like that multi-use. I'm not going off efficiency mm. here or utility. I think it's just a pretty letter. Um, sorry, my dog was doing. It's okay. We had we had a, a fun episode with Wisely right around the release of our Nintendo video where we talked about PM and his dog was basically another guest. So it's <laughs> it's always appreciated around here. Um Yeah, I, I think, I think L. L's cool. L interesting. I wouldn't have put L. I think L gets a recent bump because of hold that L and you know stuff like that. That's always fun. Uh L I the thing that made me like El the most, uh, you obviously very studied in film, so you might remember this. Do you know it? Uh, have you ever seen the film Inside Lewin Davis? Of course. He writes a note at one point. And he just writes L, and I'm like, that's cool. I like when people just write that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Lewin, that's a fun one. Llewellyn, another Coen Brothers one. Ellen is great. Yeah. Yeah, some very interesting L ones. L, okay. Yeah. Next. Uh, next time you know uh an event happens by that same team by the team behind five dom well i guess we'll have to get you in on on whatever next tier list it yeah is. i need to look at that tier list again i didn't agree with the uh with the methodology behind it i think uh that's i mean that's K democracy hate... for you wasn't there a huge like k hate chip i don't like the i don't like the distaste for k i agree i, I really like k, k too low. k is a cool letter i'm a big fan of k i don't want to uh 
you know, we, we, we ended up talking for a while and we didn't actually uh, get the whole thing recorded, but we have a lot of it recorded. I don't know. I don't know if maybe we can see this uh, was so, this was so utility based because I'm looking at, at, at Jade's like reasonings for it. And it's there were a lot of utility people. Uh, there were some vibe people, but not as many vibe people as you would expect. I like putting E O A I and like putting f- putting four of the vowels Y and S in top tier. It's like just just tell me that you write tears for your wordle starting word. Like this is fucking vanilla mayonnaise bullshit. I hate it actually yeah i mean at a certain point you have to understand that the best are the best for a reason uh i was an o pr- i i have one o i like o i like it's o a lot it's very aesthetically pleasing i don't I have a, like a personal connection to o it's in the one letter in my last name it barely shows up i you know it's but i like oh i say that O has a very you know oh it's yeah got, it's very good that's my e- number one pick yeah you guys put e first the most common letter in the english language like no fucking shit. That's, yeah, you know, I don't ridiculous. like this conversation. I well, want to talk gonna, about something else. It's gonna end soon. <laughs> I will say this: for a long period, I was number one because it's also a word, and it's like speaking about us and speaking about the individual. And the thing was, we talked about what's the best letter. No one said I. It was like a rank choice type thing where I was like second or third in everyone's, but no one could agree. So I got the boot, and then E, I think, slotted in number one. Um, this is something where, hey, maybe we, we'll try to get the VOD of this, put it on our channel. But there is a conversation about from the Genesis team about uh, you know going through the motions of this. Um, some talk about a number tier list coming up, but I think that's going to be pretty hard. But, well, you know, you guys are both involved in Genesis. I'll keep you guys in the loop of any, uh, <laughs> any tier list coming up. Sounds good. Um, Zane, we've got one last thing before we go we've got a a segment that is unnamed officially officially unnamed unnamed, touching grass uh basically we are seen you know all the people who devote themselves to melee um i think a lot of people are seen as like only melee people i think maybe not so much with you but there's kind of the prevailing idea that like we are nothing without melee like we don't have anything else going on so i think the this is an opportunity for people to say what's been going on in their lives outside of melee. Uh, I'll, I'll start off so you can have some time to think. Um, all of us have, have actually went through this recently. There was a big nor'easter uh, in the northeast United States and probably other places. Uh, so we ended up getting some snow here. Zane and I do the same thing. I think uh, we both put on "Snow is Falling in Manhattan" by Purple Mountains, and we just kind of vibe out um but also i like to i like to do like a nice little walk around um town you know just enjoy the snow while it's there i think snow while it's falling is very beautiful i think snow after it's already been on the ground um it's cool in a different way so i've been definitely doing some walks with all the snow but the thing that i've been doing most this past week that is not melee related just a purely hour based thing um other than sleeping i guess that's probably what i do most uh I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos from Pangea Panga. I don't know if you guys know of Panga. Panga is a uh, Mario YouTuber. Panga got to prominence years oh. ago during the Kaizo Mario era. Yeah, I yeah, I do know he, Panga. I do he know. He might Panga. have made them, or he might have been. He was he definitely. Was, he, he helped make them, and then he was on the teams for some of the exhibitions. At, yes, at I, I believe yeah. he had Super Panga World and a few iterations of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like many of those Kaizo Mario YouTubers. He has transitioned pretty elegantly into being a Mario Maker YouTuber. 
So I've been watching a lot of videos of that. I was actually really into Mario Maker for the first like two months of the original on the Wii U. Um, so I've got some weird nostalgia to that, but also it's just very fun seeing Mario go fast. So that is something that I've been watching. Uh, and when the the thing that you mentioned, when when the AGDQs, when that is able to be run in person again, if they run a Kaizo Mario um, relay, those are amazing to watch. If you have any inclination, so fucking cool. You have to watch them, uh, like Grand Pooh Bear and Rio Car. There's all these great people, and they'll just like blind go through the craziest levels of Mario that that can be made, uh, and then swap off every death. It's very fun to watch, so I would recommend that. Edwin, what's been going on with you? I've been watching a lot more movies lately. So, um, me, me, and my spouse have been watching a bunch of bunch of stuff. We, we usually take turns like watching, uh, like picking and watching films uh, for different weeks. And uh, one of the last movies that we saw was uh, was Encanto, the uh, ah. Disney one. Um, I just say I was a little disappointed by it. I thought the animation was beautiful. I loved the backdrop of the the movie. I think uh, I, I think it was just like it was really like stellar to look at. I thought like there were scenes where like if I wasn't really paying attention, I would have thought it was just like a straight up like real life shot, but with a with with a bit of like just like pizzazz or whatever to it it was fun to watch i think the the main thing i would i would say though with Encanto, and i I think this is my my problem with the movie is i think like it has a really good foundation of being a story about like you know i mean this is just broadly speaking but like i i saw the movie as one about like you know intergenerational like trauma and like how that how that grounds and shapes people's relationships with each other and forces them or not forces them but like how it causes like a lot of problems that don't necessarily get talked about like when you don't address something that's not Uh, like bruno like over uh yeah i think i think it has a good foundation but i i thought the like i thought the main conflict in the story was not very compelling because it there was a lot of like questions that weren't necessarily answered about like or, or 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 when they were answered it was very like straightforward exposition i think like i don't want to spoil the movie for anyone who's watching but but one of the things that i think is really interesting in the movie is that there's an outcast family member who i think is the best part of that movie i think his relationship with the rest of the family is is really is yeah. is like a like there's so much you could explore with that specifically with the backdrop that they're in also that i never feel quite gets fully resolved in a way that feels satisfying but yeah. it was an interesting movie I agree. It hand waves away a lot of the problems at the end um, mm-hmm. in a way that felt very rushed, but I loved like everything else about it. I, I agree pretty much 100% with what you I'm said. I'm interested in seeing it. I um, I was at my niece's, I was hanging out with my nieces at my sister's house uh, a few weeks ago, I think when it first came out. Uh, so I saw the very beginning of it, and then I ended up going over to their house again the next week, and I saw the very end of it. So I know that they don't talk about Bruno, but then I guess they do talk about Bruno. Uh, so I don't know everything else in the middle. But I do want to say, Edwin, I love the fact that you use your opportunity to talk about what's going on in your life to talk about something you do not like. Um, that's no, I mean, I, I don't think it, I don't think it was like a bad movie. I think it's interesting because like I can see the areas that that are good. The only reason I bring up like some of the things that I wish it did better is because I just want it to be, you know, I, yeah. what's the I best even... movie you saw in the past two weeks? The last time you were on an episode. Oh, easily eyes wide shut. Oh, oh. Yeah, you do like that movie. That movie's great. That movie's that awesome. movie's a great. I love that, Eyes Wide Shut. That, he I likes think, it more than the average person. Likes. I think Eyes Wide Shut is like, oh my god, I, I could I could have a whole like podcast. Would you ever it. get into an Eyes Wide Shut scenario? 
Would I ever? No, I, I don't think so. He's not a risk taker, remember? We, despite <laughs> what you may think from his <laughs> rampant gam gambling habits, he's not a risk taker. I, uh, Zane, you, you are someone who obviously is studying film currently. Um, so you, you know, this can obviously turn to something that can go on for a while, but we're kind of near the end of the show. So I, I won't get into it. I think Eyes Wide Shut is very good. Uh, it's just like, you know, it's a B plus movie from an A student, right? Kind of has the weight of, I think it's stellar. Like, I think there's... it's more, I think it's more, um, subversive and radical than people give it credit for. And casting Tom Cruise is like the proof in the pudding of that. Yeah, Zane. I think that it's the, a dissection of vanilla milk toast sex habits, and I also think that it's white men a way more ambitious personality. I also think that the extent, the way it uses that as the vehicle to explore all these other things, that's that's not necessarily spoon fed to you, but you just have to be paying attention to yep. like that, like how that shapes everything else. To like, I I just think it's one of the most like ambitious movies. Like, and it's a long movie. It's like what three hours long, like a little under that. And it and the whole time I was just like, it, I was gripped. Like, I have an uh, essay about it. I'll send to both of you. Oh, please friend, send it to me. I, I would love to looking read at it. it looking at it from like a queer and trans perspective and and okay. how it, yeah it, it's a it's a really good essay well yeah, i i uh i i used to write letterbox reviews before i was like okay just a long time it's i don't know it just like became a weird thing where i was like watching movies and i was like what am i gonna write about this yeah. and then i was like uh whatever so i stopped writing them but i have one that is not that kind to it huh um i did like it but the review seems like I really didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, I also don't like writing letterbox reviews. I tried doing it for a bit, and then I also... It was fun for a bit. Yeah. And then it was a job that I was only doing for myself. I will say uh, one last thing before Zane tells us what he's doing. I think out of everyone, everyone in like my close social circle and group of like very very like tight-knit friends, I think the one person who I would say outside <laughs> of like my mom who would hate Eyes Wide Shut the most out of anyone is Ambi. I think yeah, Ambi would say. hate Eyes Wide. I think he would think it's like the worst movie ever, which is so funny. How do you think, I, if, you would, if you could do an impression of how it would react, what do you think you'd say? Dude, this movie has no dynamics. There's no dynamic ceiling. It's about nothing, dude. No, dude. You just love the fact that it's a guy walking around New York. You just love the thrill of it, but there's no thrill. There's no dynamic ceiling in it. <laughs> uh, have I ever told you guys about when I tried to teach Laudandus about film? Because, <laughs> you know, Laudandus is a notorious hater of Western media yes. in general. He thinks it's <laughs> yes. all bad. Um, yes. And so he I'm, thinks I'm only anime is good. But one time he, he, he texted me and he was like, I watched this movie. And I thought it was actually a good movie, which is weird. Was it the trains arriving at the station? He just started at the way beginning. <laughs> he ran the fuck away. He ran out of his room. And then <laughs> someone told him what was up. Uh, no, it was it was the usual suspects, which, you know, okay. weird movie now to talk about. But I love yeah. that movie. I think it's really. He's really like, I love movie. the actor. Yeah. Well, the director, too, is, all, you know, he's. Oh, true. Up. Oh, boy. That is a uh, yeah, it's, movie, isn't it? Yeah. So 
but it was interesting and i was like oh what do you like about it and i don't really remember what he said but what i what i got at was that like he thinks that most plots are very basic basic and predictable and etc cetera, etc cetera, in western movies which i think is just like i was not going to convince him otherwise of that so i told him to watch hiroshima mon amor and he really liked that that's like the one piece of western media i've ever gotten laudandis to watch that he really liked um which if you haven't seen it is like i think the single the movie that like will blow people's mind the most if they have not studied film and even if you don't care about studying film that movie is incredible and like invented modern flashback editing and a lot of modern editing too and not in a weird academic eisenstein way like it's it's really fun and good yeah what's been uh what's been going on with you recently um well a lot of film stuff i am in film school so i have a short film that i made last year that i've been doing post-production on very slowly and submitting to festivals um cool it has gotten rejected from a couple festivals it got into one very small festival but still good but got getting rejected from a lot of places which is like eh you know i i'm happy with the movie and that's fine you know i'm fine with it getting rejected but i i've been working on the sound mix and stuff for that um other than genesis um i have uh i'm gonna be after my week is so crazy i have to work on a feature script and then i also have an article coming out on team liquid in a few days with an lcs player so i need to like write that um article and clean up the transcription of the interview um the thing that I was most looking forward to in the past few days was playing Pokemon Legends Arceus, which I have <laughs> gotten to play now in my spare time. I have gotten to play it a bit, and it makes me very happy. It's a game that makes me very, very happy. Oh, and I also made a video essay for just for like my for class as an exercise, but I put like fifteen hours of work into it and. I had a God, you're such a creative a job application that I put way too much work into like, <laughs> way too much work into i all-nightered working on it a few days ago so jeez yeah so that's basically it a lot of writing a lot of uh a lot of writing yeah it's writing a lot of video editing um and i am excited to get outside and see people because my classes have all been online for the last two weeks and i haven't seen any of when do you graduate? Uh, TBD. It's a variable program, basically, in that the first two years are, are like the core classwork, and then you go into research arts years, which is when you do your thesis. And people usually do their research arts years. You, you pay less money, and you take you take fewer classes. Um, you take thesis classes and like revision classes if you have work you want to be revising, etc. So um, research arts years are you, you usually do one or two years of research arts. So I'll probably graduate at the end of next year or the year after that just depending on like what i choose to do for my thesis and how long it takes me well it's super cool that you were able to make it on here uh it seems yeah, like you're having me yeah you you have a, a really busy work schedule so i yeah i probably should have been should have been writing that lcs interview or writing or writing my feature <laughs> screen but i i appreciate that you made it on um I, I we think I, we had a really great episode. It's always a joy to get to talk to you, and uh, yeah, I think it's been you know you were on for like a main stage Smash Camp episode of uh, Deep Dive yeah. way back. Yeah, so it's good to have you on. Yeah. 
Um, if people want to follow you, you know, I don't know if you're going to be posting these uh, articles and stuff, but if people want to follow you, where can they do so? The article, the article I'll post for sure. Um, will I post my short film? <laughs> when I, well, when I hope like I get shit. I don't, I'd love I don't to know. Watch it. We'll I don't see. know if it gets posted. I I'm hope. I get can to you feel... send it? To, if you if you don't post it, can you send it to me? I'd love to watch it. Yeah, I mean it's it's in watchable form already. I actually got like a usable sound mix of it today, and so oh, nice. that's like the final thing I needed for it to really be like something where I would feel. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I getting rejected from festival to, today bruised my ego a little bit about whether it's a good film or not. So. Because it might be bad, and I I would be fine with it being bad. I would just need um, a moment to collect myself. Uh, but you can follow me at Ipangu. I'll post the article there. And uh, we also have a really, really cool video coming out for PG Stats. I saw what the editor did with it today. Like, I watched the cut finally, and it's really good. I'm really, really happy I wrote most of the script and, like, came up with the idea for it, and it's... No, actually, Walt came up with the idea for it, but I came up with the framing <laughs> of it, and uh, and I'm really, really happy with how it turned out. And we actually put some melee stats uh, collaboration in there too, and it, it oh, yeah. I think strengthened the video a lot. So, I believe that Walt just free associates ideas and then makes other people do it. So don't <laughs> give him credit. <laughs> he actually came with like a, like a little spreadsheet. It, he'll it just go. Oh, what a nerd! He'll just go do a video on Mewtwo King, and then people gotta. Yes, sir. Type away. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. Uh, that's sick to see. Uh, did you? Did I blank? Did you say where people can follow you on Twitter and such? At at Ipengu, yeah. Okay. I'm at Ipengu on Twitter, and you don't need to follow me anywhere else. <laughs> that's great. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see these projects. I don't know if you know public or not. I I, I would like to um, see what you've been working on. So I'm excited to see that. Yeah, I'll, I mean, it would be pretty dumb to make a to put this much work into making a movie and not show it to anyone. So it'll yeah, probably sure. be there eventually for people to see. I just worry. I, I think I don't know. I don't know if people will. I don't know what people expect from me if they think of what they would expect from me as a film. But it's just a very sad drama movie, <laughs> basically. So sadder the better. I'm excited. Uh, yeah, if you want to see what we've been working on, we can uh, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash Melee Stats Pod. That's where we're going to be posting articles uh, such as Monday Morning Marth and When's Melee on MeleeStats.co. We'll also post daily recaps of all the events that have been happening online and offline, so you can follow us there and find those. If you want to see these um, episodes as they go on as they go live, you can watch on twitch.tv slash MeleeStats. If you want to see them when they're on YouTube, you can do so at the, the Melee Stats archive. And you can go on over to our YouTube channel, Melee Stats. That's our main channel where we're going to be posting long-form content. Um, I, I, it's too early in to say it's anything, but there is something we've been dabbling in the beginning. So, so I'm excited to when that gets a little further uh, down, mm -hmm. but obviously too soon to do that. Um, and yeah, if you like everything we do and you just want to support us, you can support us at patreon.com slash Melee Stats. I believe... We hit what? 102? 101? Yeah, I think How we're actually patrons? at 105 patrons right 105 now. patrons. If you want to join, obviously, you know, you don't get to brag about being one of the first 100 patrons. Uh, but get in now on the ground floor. Uh, we, we have some fun stuff, and you can also, you know, ask questions uh, each week. You can submit questions and hopefully get them answered. And for those who are watching live, we have a dog on stream. Always fun. Uh, Zane. 
I appreciate you so much for being on. I think this was really fun. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It was really fun. Yeah, it was a blast. And uh, thanks, everyone who's watching. And uh, keep in mind that we are going to be moving to bi-weekly. So we won't get to see you guys next week. But the week right after, we'll be back talking about, I don't know, who, who even knows that far ahead. But I'm excited to come back and talk about whatever's going on in Melee. Peace. See you guys.